1: And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome to a brand new episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, and updates on Star Wars Episode 9, The Mandalorian, The Clone Wars, and all the other awesome, exciting projects coming up in the Star Wars universe. But this time, we're not talking news and rumors. It's time for another installment of our saga commentary uh, movie episodes. Um, So as always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-hosts Tim and Paul with me to watch The Empire Strikes Back. How's it going, guys? is going good now that for the next two hours we're going to be able to talk
2: about not only my favorite Star Wars movie but my favorite movie of all time so this is going to be tons of fun
0: this is uh, in my top two Star Wars films and and this movie and Return of the Jedi are probably the films I've seen the most in all my life and it is very special to me and this like, like I said before A New Hope was always my my first prequel, Empire and Jedi were always the Star Wars. It was only two films forever. So this movie is uh, – and the next one, they mean the most to me probably of all the Star Wars movies. It, all that me- matters to me, but these two are the probably the most special because I grew up watching them like crazy. So, yeah, I'm excited to get into this one.
1: Yeah. I mean all I'll say is this is probably the one movie, maybe along with A New Hope, that pretty much everybody unanimously agrees is – a fantastic Star Wars movie. I'm not going to say where it ranks for me because let's just say as we're going through these rankings and I'm already thinking ahead to doing our big ranking episode after we're done with all these commentaries, I'm open to my rankings maybe shifting a little bit from where they've been. But um, yeah, I think Empire is one of those ones that's coming in near the top of everybody's list. Um, But let's just jump right into it, shall we? Yes um, please. Yeah, less talking, more watching and then we'll oh. do more talking while we're doing the watching. <laughs> more watching? Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's
2: going to um, be a very quiet episode of our conversation. It, it, it might <laughs> actually be It might be, you know, know. You
1: know if, if there's any long pauses, we didn't lose you, the audio didn't cut out, uh we're just taking in the glory of this movie. Um but as always, uh, you guys know we're watching these on the Blu-rays. We're queued up at uh, Title One, Chapter One, so past all the FBI warnings and home video logos and all that stuff. Uh, zero out of 207 on the timeline. Um, we're all synced up and ready to go if you want to watch along with us. Uh, hope you enjoy it. Otherwise, hope you just enjoy listening to our commentary. And here we go on Punch It. Ready? Three, two, one, punch it. And we're off.
2: We only got one one more left of the 20th Century Fox logo.
1: I knew somebody was going to bring it up again. (laughs) It's (laughs) always
2: got to be. It's got to be Tim. It's got to be
1: Tim. (laughs) I guess that's
2: my role in these commentary episodes. I always mention the 20th Century Fox logo.
1: Yeah. Hey, uh, just a fun little anecdote to start this off with that I this just popped into my head the other day while I was thinking about this movie and I thought, Oh, this would be a fun thing to share on the podcast. Um, As we talked about with a new hope, I also don't have a memory of watching the empire strikes back for the first time because all the original trilogy I've been watching on VHS since I was a real little kid. um, And I don't remember my first introduction to these movies. I just remember watching them over and over again throughout my childhood. But I do have a very specific memory of uh, watching The Empire Strikes Back on one particular occasion and getting in trouble for swearing for the first time I can ever remember in my life. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah. So, Was it so Han, what?
2: because of Han Solo?
1: <laughs> no, no, no. It wasn't because of Han Solo. It was – so what I used to do as a kid is I would, like, sit on the living room floor in front of the TV and I would gather all my Star Wars toys up in front of me and I would watch a Star Wars movie and, like, act out the movie with my action figures and stuff as I was watching it. Um, and so one time I'm watching the empire strikes back and my mom was in the room with me and watching me play and stuff. And I had, you know, all my toys and stuff laid out, but I had a toy snowspeeder that I had left back in the toy box or in my bedroom or wherever. And, uh, she goes, Hey Kyle, where's your snowspeeder? And little five-year-old me goes, Oh yeah, I forgot about that damn thing. Just out of nowhere. (laughs) I don't know why I said that. I'm pretty sure I remember thinking that I made the word up, but yeah, she wasn't too happy about that. (laughs)
2: Did you? Did she make you turn off the movie when you said that?
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't think so. (sighs) She wouldn't be that cruel. (laughs) I wonder how, too. I like
2: how, you know, A New Hope starts with that iconic opening with the blockade runner being chased by the Star Destroyer. And this one's pretty much the opposite of that, where you see, you know, the front of the Star Destroyer, but, you know, it's moving very slowly. It's not chasing any rebel ship. It's just launching some probe droids. And I'm wondering if people who are seeing it for the first time in 1980, after, you know, loving A New Hope, and just couldn't wait to see the next Star Wars movie. And what awesome new action-packed beginning can this one have? And it starts off just on a slower pace, you know, setting just a different tone than what A New Hope did. I'm just curious of, the reaction was maybe a little disappointing back then or just, you know, they didn't care. They're just ready to see a new Star Wars movie. Knew the action was going to come pretty soon, even though it starts off differently than a new hope did. I would assume that they
0: probably didn't really care. I think they were just kind of anticipating watching Star Wars and they were enthralled by it. So mm-hmm. I would imagine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because no, I mean, obviously <laughs> it's not like the beginning is boring or anything. So like if, yeah. You're, yeah. if you're watching it, expecting it to kick off with a big action scene, Obviously, right off you, off the bat, you realize that's not happening, but then I think there's enough intrigue going on with the probe crash, and then, of course, we're immediately introduced to Luke Skywalker again, and so um, I think, you know, it's just cool to kind of get that reintroduction to the heroes, but then wonder, okay, what's with these probes, and what's the Empire up to, and obviously, we get just a little bit of a tense build-up to the Battle of Hoth, which is going to be in, I don't know, 15 minutes or so. Um, and even though that doesn't like immediately kick off the movie, that's a pretty big epic battle to start off a movie with. Like that's the, just the scale of that thing is normally what you'd see like in a climactic battle at the end of the movie. So, um, I think, uh, you know, even if it's not right after the opening credits, I would still say, I think that's still kind of counts as this movie starting off with a bang.
2: I'd agree. Yeah. Fun fact about the first bit of dialogue in this movie uttered by Luke the words Echo 3 was my band's name in high school. Oh, <laughs> nice.
0: Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah, this movie, uh, I remember my mom and dad taping it off of Showtime. And w- when I watched it for, you know, for years, I had the, the every once in a while a little right Showtime thing would come up, you know, hmm. on the very like far left or right or whatever it was, and it was always like, oh yeah, you know. And then I didn't really have the V actual like, you know, physical VHS, uh, uh, or authentic, you could say the real VHS, until I got it for Christmas. Like, uh, probably, probably like I was probably ten, not ten years, but probably six, seven years later. Hmm. I watched yeah. his – off and record. I recorded them off of Showtime and HBO, and I actually I think it was both Showtime because I had. We'll I'll get to the Return of Jedi one later, but I, I usually I had two movies on at once. And I don't think anything was on after this one.
2: Yeah, I know my New Hope copy was a recorded one off TV, so you're not alone. This is a different movie. Was it the CBS uh, broadcast? It might have been. That's of that course, was, yeah. That was the commercials cool. had to be edited out. So. Well, right. right. <laughs> well, because that that
0: was when I uh, that's when I rec- first watched it was on a it was in CBS the CBS broadcast in 80- eighty. So yeah, it, it's, it's weird to think that this is, it's, is a slow, it's not like, I, I hate calling it slow, but it is, mm. it's built, it's really is building and it yeah. really truly really is. I love the fact that it is so slow building and yeah. you're, mm-hmm. you're building off established relationships and whatnot. And even as a kid, I was enthralled by it.
1: Yeah. And I think, I mean, it makes sense after everything that happens in a new hope, I think rather than just throwing you right into an action scene, right off the bat again, it makes sense that like a little bit of time has passed since a new hope. And so you want to get reacquainted with the characters and we want to see where they're at and kind of figure out where the story is and what the, you know, how the the character relationships have evolved. Um, And we find out that, you know, Han is still sticking around with the rebels, but he's still got the bounty hunters and Jabba after him. And, um, you know, so I, I like that, uh, you know, that they chose to go that route Um and yeah, just kind of see, you know, build those character dynamics.
2: Yeah, and it does a great job because even though, you know, this is the next story to take place after A New Hope from an audience standpoint, they're already building up other history in between those movies as Han just referenced the bounty hunter they ran into in Ormantel. It's like mm-hmm. they just wonder, oh, what happened there? <laughs> so that would be cool to learn someday. Yeah. I know definitely. there's a legend story of that, but not in the new canon, I oh, believe. There, so. There's not just one legend story of that. There's like three legends.
0: <laughs>
2: I'm only familiar with the one with the, I it was the bounty hunter Scar, that like cyborg guy.
0: Was that from uh, the newspaper strips? I forget where it's from, but I remember reading it. <laughs> because somewhere. there's there's one from the newspaper strips, and there's one I think from like the comics, or like the the, the Dark Horse comics. Okay. So there's like multiple Orman tell stories. <laughs> hmm.
2: And one of the reasons why this is my favorite movie is this is the greatest Han Solo is in any of the films. It's, it's the way his humor is in this movie just spot on. Harrison Ford does a great job and in particular his inter- interactions with Chewie. We get the great one in the beginning where Chewie's kind of mad at him where Han's like, all right, don't worry, don't lose your temper. And then this one, Han's mad at Chewie, <laughs> wondering why he's taking the, these parts away now when he's trying to get out of here. This, Love how Harrison Ford played Han Solo in this movie as someone who just really irritated at his situation right now wants to get out of there. But yet he's still showing, you know, the compassion of his new friends that he made in A New Hope. Now, obviously worried about Luke and wanted to go after him. Yeah,
0: I was uh, on a podcast for Batman on Film first, one of their Star Wars shows. And at the very end, uh, Rick asked me a question. We we're talking about Solo, the movie. And he mm-hmm. said, give me your top five uh, solo films or not films, excuse me, uh, moments. And I said, my or top three or whatever. I said, first one off the top of my head is when he tells the rebel officer just now, I'll see you in hell.
3: Mm-hmm. because
0: <laughs> what? Because I love how he does not care what's he's going to save his friend i love yeah. dedication of han solo it's one of probably my favorite attributes of a friendship that maybe as a young person that was instilled in me that i love so i just i love that about han solo
1: yeah, yeah and i love that totally for, for all his kind of sarcasm and cynicism it's like he'll complain yeah. about it and grumble about it but when the chips are down and you need him he's there for you
0: yeah i and yeah it's amazing
2: and this is one of my favorite special edition additions to the movie with getting this better look at the Wampa, who I think looks really great. Mm-hmm. And just showing what a threat and monster that, you know, Luke would want to get the heck out of there. <laughs> because I could see where in the original cut where you only hear his roar and his growls in the background, it could build some, you know, suspense and tension as far as what could this creature be. But I think it adds even more when you actually see what it looks like and the danger it presents to Luke.
0: Is this the first time we see a force mo- object move in like in like not obviously in the 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 chronological, but mm. like in the in the movies as they came out? Is this the first time we've seen that?
2: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Such a great moment. Man. Oh, That's fantastic. The force moment. theme, the way Luke shuts his eyes and grabs it. Yeah. See, I do. A, I, I love how that. Facial expression that Luke had on his face, you know, oh, I gotta get the heck out of here. The addition of seeing the Wampa just roar with his arm cut off really sells that even more where Luke's this, this reaction to it is how he just ran out of the cave.
0: My only criticism of it, it seems too like chopped together, like it's so obviously not filmed. You know what I mean? It's just weird. Like it's just it seems I wish it was a little more fluid. Like you mm-hmm. could if there's a I wish they had a, a different outtake camera angle they could have used that Wampa with, but whatever. I mean, I'm I'm splitting hairs. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, that's never bothered me. That And obviously, like, I saw the special editions in theaters, and I had seen the originals on VHS before that, but I was kind of too young to really, like, notice all the differences. And so, as far like, I've kind of just always remembered that scene with the Wampa there. Um, so it's kind of hard to imagine that not being there. Like, for me, that fits perfectly. Speaking
0: of special editions, that was one that this movie was barely touched like in the special edition, yeah. I feel like some of the things they put in it was just like, let's just throw something in there. We got to put some new scenes in it besides the Wampa. It's like, uh, throw, it's... A, throw a shot of the Falcon and Slave 1 flying for two seconds. And like a <laughs> shot awesome, of like, <laughs> I, I, it is, but you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. just like, it's just like, there's barely anything added to
2: it. I will say though, while I just said the Wampa edition is one of my favorites, Empire probably has... Well, maybe not my absolute least favorite. That comes to Return of the Jedi. But one of my least favorite uh, changes is in this one. Which
0: will, will you wait till it, what it happens? I'm kind of yeah. Okay. All right. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Hmm.
1: One thing I, I will I say should... that I've noticed so far just watching some of this stuff like the shots where you kind of the, the long shots where you see Han riding on the Tauntaun, that stop motion animation holds up really well. Oh, yeah. this, this is a timeless movie, man. Oh, I know. Well, like, it's timeless because it's Star Wars, but it's—I mean—it's one of those things where, um, like I almost wouldn't notice it if I wasn't looking for it, you know, or like if I hadn't right, read like right. the behind-the-scenes kind of stuff. Like that could almost pass for like CGI or something until you really look at like how it's moving. And once you know that it's like stop motion or claymation or whatever, it's like, oh, you kind of can't unsee it, but it's still like it looks really good totally
2: another great sequence here especially with Chewbacca just uh, Peter Mayhew doing a great job showing his you know sadness and emotion knowing that potentially he just lost Han and Luke and that growl that Chewie gives that loud roar just showing his pain I just love that yeah
0: I just you know as a kid everything you know it wasn't just a fact this movie is like you know you you could say it's slow but because that it's not just the I didn't care because you know why the sets look incredible. Everything is so visually eye catching even now. But as a, you know, as a, as a young one, everything is, is just, it's so visually uh, just grabbing you. I didn't care how slow it was, even though as I as I got when I was younger, if I had to choose between the two, I'd always watch Return of the Jedi. Yeah, (laughs) but but at the same time, I still loved it, even though it is a slow movie and it's not as action packed. Mm -hmm. Well, this is a a great
1: moment. I think not as not as action packed doesn't necessarily equal slow. Like, I think the story moves along very well. And there's just so Agreed. much, I yeah. think the other thing about it is there's so much engaging character interaction. Like once you get into kind of the slower parts, I'm doing air quotes, uh, slower parts in the middle of the movie where there's not a lot of action going on and it's just, you know, Han and Leia in the cave or Luke and Yoda on Dagobah. It's like, all that stuff is great. Like I don't need it to be action packed because every one of those scenes is so engaging and I just love, you know, watching the characters just interact and seeing those dynamics.
0: We also got the uh, famous a Jedi Master Instructed Me when I was very young. as was a Padawan. <laughs> and then in the, later I was given to Qui-Gon Jinn. With, <laughs> yeah, uh, well, Yoda instructed a all the of Jedi. Right there. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I, I, you know, it, it, it works. It works. But it's just funny because we all thought, oh, Obi-Wan could, Yeah. This is why I love George Lucas. I love everyone assumes that Yoda... Is like oh he's totally like Obi Wan's master you know he learned all from him and we go to Phantom Menace first thing we know not no it's it's quite on June yeah <laughs> I just love how Lucas doesn't even care it's like oh I don't, figure that out. I don't even care well, you know? hey
1: you know what I mean Obi Wan also didn't remember R two in A New Hope so maybe his memory just got a little fuzzy from all that heat stroke on Tatooine it, See, here's here's the I deal good go
2: I was just gonna say we probably should have said this on our New Hope commentary but I think. The specific bit of dialogue there is key, where he says, "I don't remember owning a droid." So the fact he could remember R two, but he never owned him, so he's kind of just playing up the line a little. I know.
1: And which (laughs) I mean, you could say he owned his own, but also it's like Jedi don't have possessions, and Anakin was way more possessive of R two than any of the other Jedi were of their droids, and so yeah, he he artfully dodged his way around a lot of that stuff. (laughs)
2: Also, gotta say, love seeing Han with a lightsaber just for a quick few seconds. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm. I should just mention too, right now, how awesome Hoth is, as we're just seeing the snow speeders fly across the snow plains. Before Kamino, this was my favorite Star Wars planet. I, I like the colder environment of Star Wars planets that we've seen in the movies, and this one it just visually it just looks so so cool. And is it? is it by chance you like the cold
0: environments because you live in California and that's what you long for? <laughs> <laughs> You're
1: probably right. <laughs> yeah. It's exotic to us. Desert dwellers. We're like, what is all that white stuff?
0: God, <laughs> just, this movie is, it just, I have, I just have to say uh, a few months ago I had a rough time. Uh, and uh, I won't get into why. Everything's okay now, but it's had a rough, rough last couple of days. And I put this movie on to kind of make me feel better. And it just—it is a movie I put on when I'm sick, and you know, and and whatever. It's just one of those movies that you put on and just makes me feel better, just like as a as a person. Really quick, when I was when I was a little one, and my mom was watching this, I was like, "Why is he in the thing?" Even though I just saw the Wampa part and my mom for some reason put it in my head at a young age that he's in there cuz he fought Darth Vader. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I was like, "Oh,
0: so I for, He hasn't years, even
1: fought Vader yet."
0: <laughs> I know. On, saying, as a kid, I thought that he there was time between them taking Luke from the Wampa and that scene that he fought Darth Vader at some point.
2: Oh, that's the <laughs> so imaginations thought, of a child. Yeah.
0: So yeah, exactly. So my mom was like, "I think he fought Darth Vader." You know, I'm like, uh, <laughs> as I, as I got older, I went, "Wait, wait a minute, no, he did, my mom's just an idiot." Okay, you know. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, no, it's uh, my mom's not an idiot. I just said my mom's just being my mom, which is most moms I go, "What's he doing? He's just he's got a lightsaber. What's he gonna do with that?" So anyway. hey, your mom's in yeah, New I'm York. Pretty, pretty, Probably, so uh, no, I, I just thought there was a, a always a, a Vader. Uh, there's a Vader altercation between those two things for for a, a number of years,
2: and pretty much the only scene in the movie where all our main heroes are together. And boy, it's a great scene to have them all. Yeah, well, sure together. is great.
0: Sure is great when she
2: makes out with her brother. <laughs> well, I should say the banter between all of them, the way they're. You know, Han and are poking fun at each other, and we didn't know they were brother and sister back then. I we saw this for the first time.
1: I love three PO's <laughs> so, reaction here, where he comes up out of the background, like leans over what? them, looks up at Han. He's like, "What <laughs> is going on?"
0: I never, I never knew that happened until I saw the widescreen
1: version.
2: Oh, so much more <laughs> we got to see we got the widescreen version. I think we talked yeah. about that on that too,
1: oh, But the, like, like, why, filter. why were full screen movies ever a thing? I'll never forget. I may have. I probably
0: have told a story a thousand times, and I apologize for people who've already heard it. I'll never forget um, my good friend. Uh, you know, he just got married. I was in his wedding. Dave Valdez, A.K.A. Father's Figures on Instagram. He uh, and I met at a, a Bible school in Minnesota, and it was a winter morning, and we were walking to class together, we're just like, Ugh. we walk into class, and we just stood in the doorway thinking. We got to get we cannot deal with this we just did not like they were bringing a piano in to sing music to sing songs we're like we're out of here We can't deal with this today and we left skipped school and we went to his house and watched, uh this was before DVDs came out uh, The DVDs came out we watched uh, Empire and Jedi widescreen
2: on VHS first time I'd ever watched it in widescreen I sure it was like watching both movies for the first time all over again, <laughs> just mm-hmm. looking at the sides, the left and right sides of your screen, <laughs> seeing what you've missed all but, these years.
0: But you know what, though? Like, I, I, if I can be honest, like, I don't remember that it being that, like, groundbreaking as much as the DVDs were. I feel like the even the widescreen on VHS wasn't that great, if that makes any sense. Mm. Like, it wasn't, yeah. like... Still like kind of chopped off, if that makes sense. Maybe I'm totally wrong, but I don't remember seeing that much more, if that makes any sense.
1: Well, it was, and that was obviously back before everybody had like flat screen TVs and stuff, too. Like maybe it was just the the VHS quality and the TV quality wasn't that great. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And then of course we get maybe the most iconic theme in Star Wars coming in here.
2: Probably. Uh, such a great introduction to the Empire in this movie. I mean, they don't have the star, the Death Star anymore, but seeing all these Star Destroyers and TIE Fighters flying across each other, the Super Star Destroyer, just, oh, looks so cool.
1: Yeah, you definitely see that. I mean, like you said, Tim, the Death Star is gone, but this is our first glimpse at like, oh, they are, you know, far from defeated. Yep. And Admiral Ozzle.
2: I remember talking amongst some friends back in the day about Admiral Oswald possibly being a rebel spy amongst the Empire. That's why he's kind of giving uh, Admiral Piet a hard time about the hot system, knowing the rebels are there and trying not to, you know, play coy and maybe make him think it's a waste of time. Hmm. But I don't think that was ever in any legend story or, or whatnot, but it was always a fun theory to talk about, though. Yeah. A lot of Indiana Jones crossover with the yeah. <laughs> Imperials here. Um, oh yeah, no, played no. Admiral, also played uh, Hitler in the Last Crusade, and of course General Veers was the villain in Last Crusade. Donovan also played Hitler. Yeah, yeah. Really? I just
1: I just saw that on I think Twitter the other day, because I knew that v- I knew that uh, Veers was in it. Which he's uh, that's Julian Glover, right? Who is also yeah. in he's uh, Ma- Maester Pycelle in Game of Thrones yep. too. That yep, yep, yep. I couldn't believe that when I saw it, I was like, "Wow, that's it <laughs> yeah." Because I remember when I first got into Game of Thrones, I saw his name in the credits, and I was watching the first few episodes, going like, "Man, I know that name, but I don't see him anywhere." And then there was one episode where, uh, you know, Pysel might have had more screen time, and I'm just looking at him, going, "Holy crap, that's him!" Look how rad two one B looks,
0: man. He looks like he's haggard. Like they yeah. got <laughs> him out of the dumpster. I love that. I get, again we didn't really talk about it much, but we just the lived in world that Lucas really embraced. Yeah, it, yeah. it just really everyone, you know, if you would have put if some other, you know, some other genius sci-fi person would have been like, let's make everything clean and blah, 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 blah. Like that two one B would have been like super pristine and like, probably like all like square looking. And instead, like, it looks like they got two one B out of like the two, the dark, the bargain bin and put like a, you know, just like a, I don't know. I just I love this the detail everything has. I mean, this is this is all obvious. I get I get it. But two by the way, two one B is my favorite droids. Maybe I don't talk about him much,
2: but I do love him. He does have a cool or a good droid design, definitely. Yeah, and Echo Base just in itself is a cool looking base. I mean, even more so than Yavin was. being inside the snow caves and just seeing all the
1: ships lined up in there. I just, that's a very cool visual look to it. I always love. Yeah. And I love, I mean, there's such a cool visual contrast between these rebel bases that are, you know, built into like natural caves or ancient temples. Like they're using the world around them and like kind of taking whatever they can get. And, you know, you contrast that with the empire and all their, bright lights and sharp edges and uh you know just black and white um it's just yeah i mean the the contrasting visual styles there um he just did a really great job kind of differentiating the two where like just like whatever scene you're looking at you can tell sort of what faction that's associated with
0: one of the things i meant to talk about on the last commentary is that everyone as we as we know in, in comic book films and a lot of other films, whenever there's a mask, you always want to get the mask off and show them emote their face, their actual face, and all this stuff. And I love uh, Star Wars never does that, and everyone mm-hmm. like tries to emulate the opposite of what Lucas did and just have Darth Vader, and have David Prowse uh, just you know emulate through emotion and just whatever and let, or you know through hand gestures and whatnot, and everyone. You know, all these directors now think they're smart and think, oh, we need to have the mask off at some point. And Lucas did that only at the end and made it the most important iconic scene in, in the trilogy, maybe. And arguably. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, why don't more people do it like Darth Vader in the, in the original trilogy? Like, everyone wants to take the mask off, but Vader did took his mask off once, twice if you count the scene in this movie. But yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like he, never, like, he never has to emote with his face. He doesn't mm-hmm. need it. No, so that,
2: I think that's... That emotion comes through still. And even, yes. we'll get to it in his battle with Luke, he looks like he does have, like, changes his facial expression. Like, you could see sadness in certain shots. I'll point it out when we get to it, but that emotion mm-hmm. comes off still. So, as much as you would if he didn't wear the mask. It's just crazy and amazing to me how that portrayal came across through Vader in all three movies, but I think in particular this one.
1: Oh, absolutely yeah. this one. I mean, I think what you're getting at, Paul, with people feeling a need to like unmask these characters so that the audience can see their face so that they have something to relate to. I think that's a trend that people do a lot more with hero characters Um, Because I think having a character that wears a mask the entire time works better for a villain like Vader because he's supposed to be intimidating. Like you're not supposed to relate to him or connect to him. You're supposed to be scared of him. And we only see him take off the helmet. Well, I mean, you see the, the shot in this movie where he's got the helmet off just from the back and it's just enough of a tease to make you think, oh, okay, so that's not like a robot. Like there's a man under there and his head's all scarred up and get you wondering like what the story is there and what happened to him. Um, but then we only see his face once we know sort of the humanity and the good side of him. Um, but yeah, I think the, the whole masked villain thing works really well and it's not something that you see a whole lot nowadays, but you know, I mean, I'm just thinking of like Iron Man, for instance, like it's important for us to know Tony Stark as much as we do, uh, just, you know, see the Iron Man suit flying around shooting stuff and being all cool. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I also think maybe there's a fear of like copying that. Like, I mean, Vader is arguably the greatest and most iconic movie villain of all time. I think for all three of us, we would probably argue that he is. Um, oh, yeah. But, well, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe... <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I don't know. Maybe people just, you know, they're trying not to replicate that exactly. And one of
2: the greatest Battles ever in Star Wars. I mean, going back to what I was talking about in the beginning, just the contrast to this in A New Hope, not only like we were saying how this is at the beginning of the film where this could be the climactic battle for any other movie, but just the fact, you know, it's in atmosphere. They're on a planet. They're taking down multiple walkers, which imagine I was just blown away seeing the, the Imperial walkers and for the first time. just like how cool they look. It's like walking robotic dinosaurs in <laughs> a way. And just loving their design, I just always wanted to have one as I wanted the toy as a kid, but never got one. Oh, <laughs> same here. A friend of mine, a friend of mine did. He'd bring it over a few times, and it was always a blast to play it with. But man, this battle sequence, so good.
0: We, we did. We almost passed one of my favorite lines and parts in this movie. Just, just subtle moments, like when Dax says, "Sometimes I can feel like I take the whole empire on myself," and I just love Luke's. Like I know what you mean. Like I just love the fact that there's these really. Intimate moment so then it sets up the fact That Dak bites it right there Yeah and you're, you're, you feel It even more because this, this young Optimistic man young man Is like gets in the snowspeeder with Luke the, the the main character and that guy bites It and it just shows you like Ooh yeah this isn't this, You know it, it immediately tells you This is not going to go the way you think and yeah. I love that
1: Yeah exactly and, and not only did he kind of subvert Expectations by having the the big scale battle at the beginning of the movie, but also the heroes kind of get their butts kicked and that's kind of what sets yep. the stage for the rest of the story. And they're on the run for the rest of the movie.
2: Yeah. I always loved the snow speeders as a kid. I still love them now, but a big reason why is I just love that there's two pilots in there, you know, one's the, yeah. pilot, one's the gunner, mm-hmm. but I remember just being a little kid with my brother all the time. That was just awesome to us. Cause then we could both play together. It's like, Oh, we're in the shit together. We go back to back, like at two chairs, pull them up for 10 were flying or one would fly and I would like grab like a baseball bat or something to be like a gun that <laughs> <So laughs> I would just move around and shoot targets with it was just so much fun just great stuff to you know have fun with your imagination as a kid there's more stuff added to it that's what I love about it A New Hope did so much and brought so many new things to the table as far as you know movies go and then Empire just adds to that with more cool and unique stuff
0: Mm-hmm. This guy right here, this rebel with a mustache, looks like my dad's good friend when I grew growing up. Like I always like, I he looks like that guy. He looks like Lance <laughs> Every time I, I saw him.
1: But and you know, really Tim, fast. talking about the uh, snow speeders with the two pilot seats, I really wish they had added that in the new Battlefront games. Because oh, I, I wish being able the to, I, I miss being able to fly around with two people, like you know, somebody else in the back of your ship, and uh, you know, when he's flying around the. Uh, the walker and getting close to it, and the other one actually has to fire the cable and hit it. That was mm-hmm. so much fun to do in the old games. Yeah, I never noticed
0: those group of soldiers when when Han's talking to Chewie until like five years ago. Really, <laughs> never noticed them. I wanted to ask you guys that with the fact that the snowspeeders could not penetrate this armor of the the walkers. Oh,
2: it, it started making me think:
0: why didn't they just use X wings against these things?
2: They had. They said.
1: I think they're having trouble adapting the other ships to the cold. Oh, they did mention that. Yeah.
0: No, but they, but they, they, Wait, no, they, no, no. They, they, they oh, were talking oh, about oh, the speeders actually. Yeah. Some of the yeah. Speeders, yeah, yeah.
1: Cause these are technically, well, even though we all call them snow speeders, they're T 47 air speeders. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're, they're just air speeders and they had to adapt them to the environment uh, for Hoth.
2: Well, maybe they but. knew those are the only ones that could be adapted and the other ships couldn't
1: adapt to the cold. Yeah, like, but I think I mean obviously they're also using them to protect the transports as they're evacuating. Yeah, the yeah,
0: that's true. But I mean, like I don't know. I just kind of feel. I mean, obviously I no. I love the blood on his face. Just,
2: now that's something I didn't notice till like the special editions came out. Hmm. I remember I said, "Oh man, look at all that!" Like, do they add that blood and scar to his face? And my brother's all, "No, he's had that since the original. He just never noticed it." But, and this, oh. The Battle of Hoth is made for some great fun levels
1: in video games. Well, Shadows of the Empire, yep. Battlefront,
2: the yep. Super Nintendo, Empire Strikes Back game. I feel like that, that's
1: the default. Like any yeah. great Star Wars game that lets you like reenact battles has to have the Battle of Hoth. It never gets old. Nope.
2: I know we thought here, too. Oh, he's trying to get Dak out to save him. Like before that's what I thought, crushed. too. Yeah.
0: Yes. And then he's always oh, just grabbing that. Yeah. <laughs> <With> toe Cable. <laughs> No, one of the when he actually I I didn't think he was going to save him, but I thought he was like saying like goodbye to him. Mm, Okay, like 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 um, like, it's like like he's like didn't want to leave him, but he had to kind of a thing. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I got you. Either way. Yeah, I knew I kind of got the same idea, too.
1: You know, we were talking earlier about Han and just his banter with like Chewie and 3PO, but the chemistry and the banter between him and Leia is probably the best relationship in this movie.
0: Oh
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, both Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford sell it really good. As
2: far as people, it's like they can't stand each other, but yet are falling in love with each other. And then you just you immediately buy it when they say those iconic lines before he goes into the carbon carbon freezing chamber. Mm-hmm. I love that shot of the ATATs, just the three of them there, just you know showing their dominance. And you know the rebels are losing in this fight right here, even though. Luke valiantly takes one down. It still wasn't
1: enough. Yeah. Gosh, I love all the jokes we've seen on this and like the robot chicken specials and stuff where he cuts the hole in the floor and the guy's in there like on the toilet and Luke throws the oh, gun yeah. into his lap.
0: What I don't understand is why did he start using his lightsaber to start taking off their legs and stuff?
1: Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, Kanan like Kanan and Rebel. Yeah. Rebels. yeah. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're was too strong for that too. Nothing's too strong for a lightsaber.
0: You know what? I I think there is there's some truth to that because thing about the the door with uh what's his name uh, Qui Gon Qui Gon it's it might be that strong if you think about it. it yeah, if it you want be. to get that. Technical, so because
1: these walkers are also you know upgraded versions of the ones that they used in Rebels. Yeah, yeah. Even and though those like, were kind of like early prototypes of AT. Yeah.
0: Even though uh, Kaden went in there and just started just making him like <laughs> melted him like butter with this thing, God, I lo- I also love the fact that you know I didn't for a long time. It took me a while to realize that, that those blasters were were more powerful than the other ones. Mm-hmm. Here's the infamous uh, deleted scene that I never saw until much later, and I still I, I just couldn't believe they actually filmed it of three PO taking the sign off, yeah. and, and then the, the deleted scenes of the uh wampa arms coming out and grabbing yeah. <laughs> i'm like how did they film this i <laughs> always remember reading
2: that and yeah I, I didn't think i'd ever see it but once we got the blues like oh okay but i always thought it would be cool I mean, if they ever got to finish it and then you know got to shoot it right and finish the effects but never was the, the case
0: the actually actually the uh the, the, the scene of him like taking the sign off is in a trailer but it's not yeah in that's the right
1: scene.
2: oh Ooh. yeah one thing I wish we got in the Battle of Hoth as we see Vader and the snowtroopers is that we, I mean, we see the rebel soldiers on the battlefield trying to take out the walkers. But I wish we would have saw some rebel soldiers against some snowtroopers. Yeah. I mean, the
1: yeah. That yeah. 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 Like see them actually raiding the base. I mean, it looks like they're kind of just walking through as the rebels are already all, you know, have deserted it. So, oh, Vader man just the way he watched it is so intimidating it's yeah. so
2: cool it's the truth behind
1: him. I mean Paul you were saying earlier that uh, this is like the best Han Solo movie um, or that he's the best in this movie out of all of them it's I think it's like that right it's, <laughs> but I was just going to say that you can also easily say the same for Vader like oh, yeah. in, oh, yeah. in A New Hope I mean Vader still makes a strong first impression and I think he would still be a well-remembered villain in movie history, uh, even if George had never made any other Star Wars movies besides A New Hope, because, you know, just with the voice and the lightsaber and the the mask and the look and everything um, made a pretty, a pretty striking impression. But if you think about it story-wise, like, Tarkin is kind of the main villain of A New Hope. You know, he's, oh, the, sure. one, he's the one calling the shots on the Death Star. Um, but this is really where Vader elevates from, like, cool bad guy to most iconic cinema villain of all time.
2: Oh, yeah, without question. I mean, it definitely goes to another level in this movie. And I'm sad this is always...
1: <laughs> yeah but it, it's almost a weird contrast like that battle was so dramatic and they're all getting their butts kicked and now you know these yes, last few these exactly. last few survivors are out well, here and Luke's did. like hey R2 alright buddy let's get ready to go
0: <laughs> yeah. it's like yeah, there's my, no my urgency died, to it and then Wedge is like see you later Luke I'll see you at the rendezvous oh yeah we'll meet okay. you at the rendezvous
1: <laughs> it's like hey good buddy we'll see you in a bit we just lost most of our friends but we're still alive life's good right no <laughs> big Yep.
2: Luke's just concerned about getting to the Dagobah system right now. <laughs>
1: yep. And he didn't bother to tell anybody, apparently. Nope. I want to keep on manual control for a while.
2: Just when you think the action's going to let up. Nope. We're getting an awesome space <laughs> sequence with the Falcon being chased by TIE, fighter, tie fighters in an asteroid field. I mean, mm-hmm. come on. It doesn't get better than the, these two active sequences back to back.
0: This is a great example of how you make, you know, about this is like almost forty years old and it's still more exciting than the last Jedi with their whole
1: oh I'm sorry. Go. <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. So sorry. We're I gonna have to like to do two one. Last Jedi commentaries, one with Paul and one without. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, one for, you know, discussion and one for two hours of snarky commentary. Wow, (laughs) that hurts. I don't know. Could you
2: do one Paul without any snarky commentary on the Last Jedi? I think that's impossible. There's there's things.
0: There are things to love about the movie. That's the last thing I'll ever say about Last Jedi in this in this commentary.
1: Oh, we'll see about that.
0: Anyway, we will look at that detail (laughs) in that seat. Look how
1: just deranged and brutal it looks. God, I love this movie. Why is nobody on the gun turrets though? That's what I thought too. Bro. Why? <laughs> See, these are these are questions we gotta know. Yeah, like I mean, we know Leia's decent with a blaster.
2: It is strange. Maybe it's one of the repairs they were trying to get <laughs> the Falcon fixed on before they left Hoth and they just weren't able to. Uh, maybe, maybe they, don't, they don't say it, but you can maybe assume it. Although oh, we're just quiet, we're just watching this movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I forgot watch this movie. Uh, such a beautiful scene. I just love seeing the Falcon fly across this asteroid field and just how it swings and sways right here. Yep. Yep, so cool. yep. Yep.
1: Yeah. I know. I was talking about this before with the Tauntauns, and then I was thinking the same thing with the Imperial walkers, and it's so redundant to talk about like as Star Wars fans, because we all know this, but sometimes it still amazes me how well the effects hold up in these movies. And I know oh, they've yeah. been retouched in the special editions and stuff, but you just get sweeped up in the story, and then, I mean, at least, like, for me as a filmmaker, because I know a lot of these techniques and stuff, I'm sitting here going, man, they did this back in 1980? Oh, well, no, before that, this was, came out in 1980. This is Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, nice. I'm t- in that era. I mean, it's not like... but it's still. This one the year quality would make a whole picture. Lot of difference, but yeah. This this the quality
0: of picture itself is amazing to me that it's still like – because because A New Hope looks like 1970s. Yeah. This looks looks kind of modern. Yeah, the, the I, w- camera, w- I would know, agree. It's, it's the,
1: I, I think A New Hope looks – and again, it doesn't look bad or anything, but you can kind of tell yeah. more with that one. It has a little bit more of a dated look to it. But with Empire and Jedi, it's like – yeah, like you said, it almost looks modern.
2: One small change they did in the special edition with the TIE Fighter laser fire that was always blue, I think, in the originals, but then they made it more consistent to making it a green like all the TIE Fighter laser blasters do. Was it
0: blue? Oh, I don't remember, man. It's been so long. Yeah, I'm
2: pretty sure, because I remember noticing that when I saw it, like, oh, they fixed it to where it's green like all the other TIE Fighter's blasters.
1: Well, I'm glad they changed it, because... That green tie laser fire is so iconic. It'd be weird to see. Yeah, that's probably it. why they did see, like... See, they, they fixed that dude, in the special editions, help. but they couldn't fix Luke's weird bluish green lightsaber on the Falcon in A New Hope. I know.
2: <laughs> they even fixed that shot of a, in A New Hope too, where the doors are closing where Dr. Darth Vader kills Obi-Wan and you see his lightsaber's white, but then they mm. fix it to have a... He's a red coloring for the special edition, so... They got most of those, like, little inconsistencies fixed up, but there's, like, maybe one or two they just couldn't get to for whatever reason. Luke lightsaber is one of them.
1: Yeah, I wonder if there was something specific about that shot that made that one in particular hard to work on. But who knows? And there's the crash landing on Dagobah. Which also just, I mean, that shot right there, and especially knowing that that whole thing was like a matte painting, and just looked fantastic.
2: And I think not this whole sequence, but part of this sequence of you know whether it's R two getting swallowed by the monster or Luke just going into the swamp, like part of it was filmed in Lucas's pool. Or <laughs> oh, was I remember reading something like that. Yeah, there's like maybe one shot or a two or two where it was likely just Lucas's pool (laughs) where they needed a quick shot of the water
1: it could have been that x-wing shot because they wouldn't have needed any of like the surrounding greenery and stuff this is such a like kind of random and pointless scene of R2 being swallowed by this monster and then spit out that we never see again. And it's like, not really something that plays into the story, but it's one of those things that just adds like one more, just fun little detail to the star Wars universe. And just all the ways that it's just sort of teeming with life and with weird aliens and creatures and stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, just a fun little touch that again, didn't have to be in here. Like you could take this out and nobody would miss it. Um, But But now
2: I was like, can't imagine without it, though. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: Well, yeah, I'm saying like if it wasn't in there originally. Um, But uh, yeah, it's just a fun little addition that just helps kind of make the movie what it is. And I guess kind of sets the stage for Dagobah. Like it kind of puts you on edge thinking, oh, it's filled with dangerous monsters and stuff. Um, And then, uh, you know, so kind of in contrast to uh, Yoda.
2: Mm. And just more fun dialogue with Luke and R two here. <laughs> yeah, that was a bit of dialogue change too i forget what he says but we're saying like you're like you don't taste very good yeah
1: yeah, yeah. i think for some reason that is one line that i remember that was that like was that how the line was in the original and then they took it out in the special edition yeah I believe okay so. okay because for whatever reason that particular line i do remember
2: i always thought too where well that bit of dialogue wasn't coming up I thought it was right there, but it wasn't. I'll get to it later when we're back on Dago with Luke. Oh, okay. And this is just another cool little a tease right here. I mean, just seeing this for the first time, if I imagine everyone back in 1980, oh, we're going to see Vader helmet. Oh, like what's that scarring? What happened? Like what, is, like, what is behind that mask? And you just get that great little tease right there. But now when we watch it, in contact with episode three, it's just more awesome that, you know, that's all because of Obi-Wan <laughs> mm-hmm. that he has to be in that, you know, chamber right there. And then that's suit. And then we're seeing the scars left from the battle in Mustafar. Just love it when we have that background story to it now.
1: Yeah, definitely. But yeah, like you said, I mean, just a great little tease, especially for somebody watching this for the first time that doesn't uh, have that context of watching the prequels, because that's your first confirmation that there is a person in that suit.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, aside from, you know, the end of, uh, a new hope when he turns his head in the space battle and you can see David Prowse's eye through the lens, but, um, <laughs> it, you know, I mean, we know that there's an actor in there, but still like, I'm sure at the time people were like, probably had a lot of different theories as to is Vader a cyborg? Is he a robot? Is he a, just a guy in a suit? Um, is he an alien? And that's kind of our first tease that, uh, yeah, he's at least somewhat human that we know um, that, you know, there's somebody's face under there. I
2: don't wonder if everyone thought, are we going to see it in this movie? <laughs> like, oh, that's not going to be a big reveal. But, nope. But a much bigger reveal was to come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. I always I mean doesn't compare to Luke's awesome black Jedi outfit in Return of the Jedi but I always like this outfit that Luke had on Dagobah and then of course what he has later on Bespin There's one back when the power of the force figures were coming out this was one of the main Luke action figures I would always use when playing with it cuz it took a little bit before that Return of the Jedi one came out but yeah I always like this outfit yeah.
1: well and the first luke action figure that i ever had was um i guess the bespin luke it's him not with the jacket on but with the uh just kind of like the sleeveless tank top that he's wearing when Mm -hmm. he's running around with yoda later
0: when he looks super
1: cut yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: he does looks great this is this is my, my favorite
2: uh luke suit to be honest I always thought Luke was eating a taquito right here.
1: <laughs> for for oh, so from- I
0: always thought he was eating a crispy uh, bean or uh, beef burrito from Taco <laughs> Time.
2: <laughs> I literally started getting taquitos as a little kid because of that sequence right there every time i go to a mexican restaurant and there would always be taquito because i wondered what luke was eating
1: yeah, see, t- really tim, tim really you're fast. from is california that... you know what those are when i was growing up as a kid like i probably didn't even have a taquito until i was like 11 or 12 or something and by that <laughs> point i was like oh this kind of looks like the thing that luke was eating on dagobah <laughs> oh, so is luke's blaster
0: a dl44 model like hans
2: it looks see I on know. first glance to me when someone i don't I would say, like, blaster models isn't my forte to Star Wars, so I wouldn't say for sure, but just looking at it, I would say yes. Yeah, like, it's
1: probably not exactly the same, but it looks pretty similar. Like,
0: what if what if there's a canon story they haven't done yet, and it's going to be Han doing that for Luke at some point? How rad would that be? That would be cool. Hmm. I can write that, Marvels. Let me know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I can't write.
2: Uh, I, I have this whole sequence I love between Luke and Yoda. Just, <laughs> Yoda just being the most annoying pest to Luke. And yeah. yet, we you know, it, that's who Luke is searching for. And the bit of dialogue I was waiting for is where Luke was talking to R2 and he goes, you know, this feels like something out of a dream or this, something familiar about this place. And it always took to mean that. I mean, I, it's not definite that this happened, but before Obi-Wan and Bale took Luke to Tatooine, I would imagine they dropped Yoda off here first and that, you know, maybe Luke wasn't, you know, physically like didn't step up. Obi-Wan didn't carry him off the ship. and was on Dagobah, but the ship they were on were on Dagobah. There's something that lingered in his memory that makes this familiar to him, hmm. even though as a little baby, this is <laughs> was when he was on here. But that's the, some of the, for some reason, the
1: force made that stick within his mind that this is someplace he's been before. That would be kind of cool. I mean, I also well, thought maybe he's just kind of had subconscious dreams about it too, through the force. Yeah, yeah, too, like knowing, like knowing, Ray, knowing Ray. Uh, yeah. through the like having dreams or visions through the force, knowing that he was going to be connected to this place.
2: Yeah, just like Ray and Octo in the yeah.
1: Week.
0: I can Gosh. almost remember as a kid the first time I watched this, being not disappointed, but like being surprised that. Yoda was not what was was him and not somebody else. I can vaguely remember that. But I also yeah, see, remember, hmm. I also I remember the shot from Muppet Babies, by the way. <laughs> How could
2: you forget? Yeah, <laughs>
0: I remember that. is it a follow The great guy. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Tim.
2: No, I was just gonna say, it's like Yoda's always been Yoda to me. I never, like I said, all the original trilogy movies. I don't remember that first time watching it and being surprised by anything. It was just these were always the characters to me and. So that's just how we've always been.
0: Oh, this is the. Uh, oh my gosh, what's her name? Oh, L three. L three. Yeah, yeah. That's that's that's. It's, it's, it's nice the- to know. It's a nice little Easter egg. People yeah. are like, I don't can't believe they put L three in the melody of Falcon. Oh my god! It's like, guys, <laughs> come on. That's a really cool callback. Yeah. yeah, and and
1: she definitely has a most peculiar dialect. That's for sure. Yeah, she does. Yeah.
2: Poor C-3PO this film, man. <laughs> he gets to hear it from Han throughout the whole movie. He gets blasted later on. He just went through the ringer in this film.
1: <laughs> yeah. I have to say Both one— physically and verbally. <laughs> I wouldn't even call this a nitpick, but it's just—it's kind of funny to me. Like, what is Leia doing here? Like, first she had that little wrench thing that she looked like she was just kind of, like, running along the side of that piece of equipment. And now she's just, like, turning this handle in place— like it kind of looks like Lucas told her, like, just play with something, like, look busy while you're talking to Han.
2: But also like too how just everyone's doing their part to get the Falcon up and running, like yeah. little or small. Creepy, Leia, Chewie, and Han just if, if, out of anyone, it seems like Han's doing the least. <laughs> of, yeah. the, at
1: least what we've seen. But. Well, somebody's gotta give the orders. There you go. <laughs>
2: See this this movie has everything. This is why it's my favorite. It's got action, the great story, character, dialogue, romance, comedy. Like yeah. everything's top notch. Every type of like subgenre in this film. It just everything works so, so perfectly.
1: Romance done well and nobody's complaining about sand. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's 3PO again.
2: The only time Han was actually nice to him. <laughs> Well, he probably should have been the most mad at him.
1: Yeah. Well, I always read that as a little bit of sarcasm, too, though. Like, thank you. Thank you very much. And he's trying to, like, now go. I'm in the middle of something. (laughs) JPO's not going to pick up on that. No, of course not. I always like that added little touch, too, as we
2: saw that asteroid hit the Star Destroyer. Then you see that Imperial officer just kind of, like, shriek. We can't hear him, but, like, puts his hands up in fear. Like, Mm -hmm. the bridge just got destroyed. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah. Vader doesn't care. He's like, yeah, we're pushing through. I also love this Vader's response to Piet here when he finds out the Emperor demands a direct right contact with him. Vader's like, this puts everything on hold. He doesn't care, like, where they're at. Just get him out of here. Get a clear signal through his Emperor's top priority.
1: Yeah.
2: Now, this is another great special edition change, getting Ian McDermott.
1: Yes. Like, just for continuity's sake, like, anybody that mm-hmm. liked the old one better, I'm like, nah, I can't complain about this.
2: And some people complain about the dialogue change, too, but I really don't have a problem or never understood the issue with it.
1: Yeah. I mean, it makes perfect sense. I don't know what, yeah. the I don't even remember what the dialogue was before, if they changed anything, but, like.
2: it just says we have a new enemy like Luke Skywalker. He doesn't say the young rebel pilot who blew up the death star.
1: Oh, well, I mean, in it's that case, it makes Skywalker, more sense. Yeah. I I know there's three years of story in between this. And I know that like Vader and Luke have already met in the comics, but if you only watch the movies, like why would Vader know Luke's like, why would they know Luke's name?
2: Well, I think with his reputation of being the one who blew up the death star, I think that's going to make the round <laughs> amongst the
1: galaxy. Yeah, so, um, but I don't know I, I think I mean to me this sounds like it fits better
2: yeah I just love how you know both Vader and Palpatine are just forming their own plans to, how to use Luke I mean of course Vader's agreeing with him saying you know we'll I'll turn him he'll serve us but you know he really wants Luke to join him to kill the Emperor, Emperor and the Emperor wants Vader to seduce Luke bring him to him and then he'll kill Vader so they each have their own scheme going on there but I
1: just love it. I love old Kooky Yoda. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just so much fun to watch and see this other side of the character. And you know, you be like, "Well, is he just putting on an act? Is he testing Luke's patience? Has he gone a little kooky?" you know, living in the swamp by himself for 20 years. Like, I think it's maybe a little bit of all those things. Obviously we know that Jedi master Yoda is still in there and he is just, you know, not showing that side of himself to Luke yet, but, um, it's just such a like fun and charming character. Hmm. Yeah. It's just, I think
2: more of a great arc for Yoda to go on after he was humbled in revenge of a Sith and knowing he had to go into exile and, I think part of it is him casting away the old ways of the Jedi or the stoic ways that, you know, kind of led to their downfall. But at the same time, too, he's using that as a way to test Luke to see what his true motives and, I guess, intentions are for wanting to be a Jedi and causing to be that annoyance and to frustrate him to see if he really can have that patience needed to start his training as Yoda knows. He's not too fond of training those who are much older than they should be <laughs> mm-hmm. when they start their Jedi training. I mean, he didn't want Anakin to start at nine years old and Luke here is what a little over 20. So,
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, at the same time, he knows, you know, they're one of their last hopes for the Jedi to survive.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's funny because obviously like that was, again, kind of the way of the old Jedi order. Um And obviously knowing what we know now from the prequels and stuff like Yoda would have been like, he knows about Luke. And so him finally coming to him at this age, I don't think he really would have been like, no, he's too old. We can't train him. It's like, you know, it's him or nothing. I mean, you've got Leia too, but she's the same age Luke is so. I love that line, and I love the callback to it in The Last Jedi when he says, uh, you know, our oh, Skywalker's still looking off to the horizon. Yeah.
2: Oh, the best line in the movie. <laughs> There's number two from Paul.
1: <laughs> you <laughs> brought Last Jedi, not me.
2: Well, I should say the snarky remark.
0: <laughs> I never noticed R2 in the background until, like, years
2: ago. Really? Yeah. R2 can fit in there, can't he? All
0: right. <laughs> the really him in. Have you guys? You guys heard the seagull
1: song, right? Oh, of From course! Oh, yes. oh, don't get me started. I'll oh, sing that the entire. So, no, no, people don't want to hear oh, me singing that the entire no. episode. But, but
0: I honestly, <laughs> it's so brilliant. Oh my lord, it's <laughs> so brilliant. Oh, I can't. I can't watch this theme without that now. <laughs>
1: don't fall asleep. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he <laughs> oh my gosh okay for anybody that doesn't know what we're talking about when when this is over go on youtube and look up uh seagulls stop it now it's a bad lip reading of empire strikes back of course you'll probably hate us for it afterwards because you'll either love it or hate it either way it's going to be stuck in your head for a week <laughs> but uh yeah have fun
2: you can always throw in some funny jokes too there kyle <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> Mm. ah <laughs> uh, my minox
1: yeah he did a pretty darn good job of making those things just look gross
2: i always heard too i never got it but The original millennium one of the millennium Falcon toys came with those oxygen masks that I think you can wear. Because my friend always said that he had those. I never got to see them for myself, but it would have been cool to have. So there's minox and the space lugs. Shelly, there's humans in there, a ship. <laughs> what about other things are lurking
1: in the space worm or the space slug? Yeah, it must have a pretty strong stomach. Big old metal spaceship doesn't give him indigestion.
2: Plastifier does though. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Just a fun little twist here. Again, we were talking about this earlier with uh the sea dragon or whatever it is that swallows R2 on Dagobah, just continuing to not only advance the story in this movie and add new cool, you know, ships and the Imperial Walkers and stuff, but keep building on like that weird side of Star Wars 2 with the, the aliens and just the crazy different creatures and locations and stuff. And he's like, yeah, let's have them fly into a, cave in an asteroid that then turns yeah. out to be a giant worm that tries to eat them yeah i mean the
2: galaxy just got so much bigger in this movie on all aspects the planets we see the monsters the creatures like you're mentioning there's tons of new additions just from this movie yeah so definitely it's
1: so, nice. it's so great <laughs> so oh, much man. more knowledge about the force Han's lines man it's so good
2: There's <laughs> always love, love always i don't try to discuss this in the committee <laughs> yeah always like this bit of music here too as they're trying to escape the space lug. It made for a good boss battle theme. I believe it was in the Super Nintendo uh, Empire Strikes Back game where this was a song that always played when you went to a boss battle. I Hmm. thought it always fit perfectly for that. Now we're getting into some of my favorite parts of the Empire Strikes Back with Luke and Yoda's training and I will say now this might sound weird coming from someone who says this is not only his favorite Star Wars movie but his favorite movie of all time but as a little kid I'm talking about the very first few times watching the Empire Strikes Back This stuff with Yoda was never my favorite but uh, later on not too far in the future <laughs> this is where I started appreciating more just how great all this stuff was Yoda training Luke, and just how he's teaching him the ways of the Force, and the way Luke responds to Yoda's teaching. This, yeah, the stuff is great. Now, I mean, it's some of my favorite stuff in all of Star Wars.
0: The training stuff, the training stuff is is super, super great. And I wish this is. God, I'm not gonna get into it. I'm not gonna say it. I just, I'll just say this. <laughs> I love, I just love this training stuff. And this is my one of my favorite parts in the whole movie. Is coming right up right here.
1: Yeah, I would say in general, I mean, between the Battle of Hoth and the Vader duel at the end, like there's so much great stuff in this movie. But yeah, I think just kind of all these scenes with Yoda teaching Luke about the force is definitely some of my favorite stuff. Um, I mean, it's hard to pick just one particular moment to be a favorite, but I would say in general, it's my favorite aspect of this movie or my favorite, you know, of all the storylines. Um, mm-hmm. is just Luke learning what it really means to be a Jedi. Cause he really, I mean, Obi-Wan gave him his first introduction to it, um, and taught him, you know, what the force is, but, you know, Yoda just opens it up so much more, both for Luke and for us as an audience. And we get so much more insight into just what the Force is and what it means to be a Jedi. And, you know, it's just so cool to see.
2: Yeah, I mean, right off the bat, we get a huge, you know, sequence right here of Luke going into the now infamous cave mm-hmm. on Dagobah. And just uh, the dialogue here that Yoda says, you know, where Luke's asked, what's in there? And just goes, only what you take with you. And that line is just so important to what transpires in the cave when Luke goes there. I mean, Luke just should have really listened to Yoda there. When he says he wouldn't, when Yoda tells him, you won't need your weapons. But Luke kind of looks at him. You know, kind of going, yeah, right, I'm going to leave my weapons down there when I sense an evil presence. And he just puts his belt on, he takes his lightsaber and his blaster, and it ends up kind of being the cause of his failure once he goes into the cave. But yeah. Here is Yoda's frustration.
1: You have to wonder um, sort of what Yoda's intent was. Like, what would Luke have done if he had left his weapons? You know, what are you supposed to do when you come face to face with an apparition of Darth Vader? Um, that ignites his...
2: Well, I, I don't... See, I don't even know if Darth Vader would show up there if he takes his weapons because I think him taking his weapons is really showing his fear and you know and anger, you know, thinking that something is going to be so dangerous that he needs to protect himself and fight against. And this, I guess, his hate because he knows that he, like, he just wants to fight and destroy the Empire as a Jedi. So those his lightsaber, his weapons just represents that, I guess, that eagerness, that fear, that anger. I guess he had swords the Empire... And it just manifests in Vader showing there. So I wonder if he even shows up if he doesn't take it because that's why I really take Yoda's line where he says they only what you take with you literally where he says, you know, because of that, Vader shows up because of that reason.
1: That's a very good point. And to add to that, if you want to get even more literal with it, he takes his father's lightsaber in there with him and yeah. then his father <laughs> shows up. Of course, he doesn't know that yet.
2: Mm hmm. That's what's so great about the sequence. I mean, everyone has talked about it, you know, for almost 40 years now, just debating and speculating on what it could mean and what it represents. And there's a lot of great theories and discussions on it. I don't think there's really one definitive right answer, and that's the whole point of it. And George Lucas has said it. Dave Filoni has said it when talking about Clone Wars, House. I, like, I never want to answer anything definitively mm-hmm. because having your own view on it is so important to Star Wars. I mean, Obi-Wan says it from a certain point of view. As a lot of the truths we hold on to,
1: depending on our point of view. So, Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's kind of twofold. I think it shows Luke, like, A, I think it's definitely hinting at the fact that Vader's his father. I think he's saying, it, it's showing that there's part of him in you, or there's part of you in him, like, you're connected, like, you're more like Vader than you think, essentially, um, and kind of in a literal sense and a family sense, but then also, I think it's also a warning against the dark side saying that you're more like him than you think in that, like, you might think he's the ultimate evil, but you could become that if you're not careful. Yeah. So it's it, kind of both a foreshadowing and a cautionary tale. God, I, there's so much to talk about
0: in that cave scene that I, I don't want to, I'm going to come back to the cave scene after the scene, but these bounty
2: hunters, why couldn't we get more bounty hunters? Uh, because they all they all look awesome <laughs> but, it still looks so cool. of course Boba Fett being the coolest of them all yeah got that I mean uh, this movie <laughs> I mean, I'm just taking it back to when these movies first came out you possibly couldn't think there could be a cooler design than Darth Vader and then Boba Fett shows up with you know I still go back and forth which helmet designs cooler Darth Vader or Boba Fett's but they're right there it's been two of the coolest looking designs ever
0: So, back to the cave, you guys were kind of talking about it, and I didn't want to interrupt, but one of the things that I think that we I want to talk about, and I think that maybe won't ever get revealed, but I think it's been, especially with, with the Rise of Skywalker, and it'd be really cool to kind of do a Rise of Skywalker commentary and see if it holds up, but if we're all thinking the same things that you know Tim and I we've read a lot of like comic books material and and I know Kyle you've read the, the Darth Vader stuff recently i'm starting to think that like either the uh the the cave on dagobah is a sith shrine of some sort and the things that's corrupting that dark side of the dagobah cave is in fact spirits of old descendants of the dark side that are there and that are inhabiting that that section of Dagobah, mm. and I, you know, I know that there was a, a Snoke and Kylo Ren Dagobah comic that just came out that I have not read, and I don't doubt it ever d- reveals anything. But I gotta think, I think that the the dark side, when you in the, you look in the Clone Wars, when when you know, obviously it's like a, it's a it's a man made substance
1: because Yoda walks through a doorway.
2: Mm-hmm. There's stairs. Yeah, well, stair- and and right? Luke even
1: walked through a doorway right there. You could see it in there. Right, yeah, that's and that's what I'm saying. Like, so it, it looks like what, a, a grown-over cave, but there was clearly like a little bit of architecture in there.
0: So I think that what's gonna we're gonna look at that in the past and now and retrospect with 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 Rise of Skywalker and with Palpatine corrupting it, similar similarly like in the Clone Wars episodes and in this where he's gonna what we see the dark side Ray. I think that's all somehow connected. We're going to we don't we won't know what's in the Dagobah cave like what spirit or spirits are corrupting that cave. That's what I think it is. And I think that, that's why it, the Dagobah is the dark side was drawn there at one point was stuck and they, got, they were killed there and they were stuck there forever. So, and that's what you're seeing is like they're seeing the the you know they're it's maybe an ancient Sith or some dark side entity that lives there with with Yoda, but obviously it doesn't have that much power. It's only in that tree that it has power.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, as as I said before, how they want to keep you know that cave a mystery to what it actually is. But as I usually am with most things Star Wars, I want to find out <laughs> like the reasons why these things are the way they are, like. You were saying, Paul, if we were ever to get that story and the reason why, I mean, I'd love to find that out if if it is what you were kind of saying, because that wouldn't make sense. and It'd be something that'd be pretty cool to explore, I would think. Yeah, and
1: finding out that there was an ancient Sith shrine in there or something still doesn't take all the mystery away from it. That doesn't suddenly explain exactly what Mm -hmm. Luke's vision meant. It's like midi chlorians like knowing what allows someone to interact with the Force doesn't take all the mystery out of the Force itself.
2: Yeah, we have yeah. that Dagobah is a planet that's really strong in the Force all by itself, as Qui Gon said in the Clone Wars episodes during that Yoda arc.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I wonder if we'll ever get the reason what makes Dagobah that way. It just could be just be one of those planets. But I mean, I just think that's cool for a planet like this that you know, look, is a, a swamp and there's a lot of darkness to it, but yet it is so powerful
1: in the Force. I think it could just be because it's so teeming with life. Yeah. Well, and that and that's why I think that because Qui
0: Gon says that in the Clone Wars, he's like, this this is it's a what does he call it? He says something about something in the galaxy. It's a very, you know, it's one of the strongest planets of, of the force in the galaxy or something along those lines. I forgot the exact wording he says, but I that's why I think there's there is an entity there, the dark side of the cave it just it makes sense if if it's some kind of sith shrine or someone was sacrificed there because it is a man-made thing inside the tree itself almost like the, whoever was there and created that with that man-made substance into the tree itself that is all a very sith thing to do right because we're mm-hmm. taking nature and trying to corrupt it with its own man-made thing
1: Of course, now I feel bad that we're talking about all this Sith Sith stuff and we're talking over Yoda, (laughs) talking about the luminous beings, are we, and all the light side of the force. But this is such a great scene. I mean, I think this might be my favorite scene of the movie right here where he's explaining that side of the force to Luke. And of course there's so many great lines, so many iconic Yoda lines where he says, you know, the size matters not and judge me by my size. Do you? And then he's talking about the force and says that life creates, it and makes it grow and luminous beings. Are we not this crude matter? And then, you know, Luke kind of dismisses him and walks off and here he's about to raise the X-wing out of the swamp. Um, and it's cool. Uh, Cause this. Is... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Tim. No, go ahead. I'll let you finish. Oh, I was just going to say this is our first time seeing Yoda use the Force, which, again, is kind of a cool reveal because, I mean, Obi-Wan hyped him up to be this legendary Jedi Master, and at first he's just this uh, weird kind of kooky old guy, and then we find out, oh, he was just kind of playing an act, and he actually is a Jedi Master, and he's been teaching Luke all this stuff about the Force. but And, you know, Luke just it hasn't really clicked, and he hasn't really gotten it, and you know, it's kind of like, I, I think maybe for Luke, he's feeling like, okay, yeah, sure. You say that, but can, like, he hasn't seen the proof and now Yoda is giving him the proof and we're seeing why he's, mm-hmm. you know, as powerful in the force as he is.
2: Yeah. Just doing it with, you know, one hand, right. there As we see Luke just struggling so much. I mean, and Yoda does it with relative ease too. So yeah, definitely drives home. The point is, you know, he is the Jedi mm-hmm. master that Luke has been seeking, but going back to, the speech Yoda was giving there and the lesson he was teaching Luke and you were saying, Kyle, there were so many iconic lines there. And my absolute favorite line out of all Star Wars was in that speech that Yoda was saying. And it was the line, my ally is the force and a powerful ally it is. Mm -hmm. I think just in the course in the universe setting, I just love it because, you know, it's showing how and this brings it back into real life too. If you're like for people who are spiritual and have faith, it just brings that the things you believe in are your closest ally. You can be alone and you could have failed like Yoda has. He's failed in his mission or just being a Jedi and he went into exile. He was by himself. He had no friends. I'm sure he would commune probably a little with Yoda. I mean, with Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, but he really was alone for the most part. But yet his ally was the force. That's what got him through. And I always, that line is is my favorite and always stood with me because you can just apply that to real life too, no matter your situation. If you're, you feel alone. If there's something that you believe and have faith in, that could be, you know, your greatest ally. And as Yoda says, a powerful ally. It could be and just help you get through tough times in life. So that line has always been my favorite from Star Wars. And just, I'll, I'll go to <laughs> any of the movies that we've gotten. I've Got a lot of great wisdom and lessons from, you know, with the Force, but none of compared to that line from Yoda right there. And just that whole sequence in general as he's teaching. Um, Luke about the force and just what he was, how he was explaining it. And just that line right there, it just always resonated with me so much. So for anyone wondering what my favorite line out of all, every Star Wars movies was, it's that one right there. My ally is the force and a powerful ally it is. If you'll see like, like on Xbox live, you have a quote or on Skype, you thought, that would be like my well, tagline right there. But I always
1: lose <laughs> for most of that stuff. So, and that's the reason why. Yeah, that's definitely a good one. To shut down C three PO.
2: Again, C two PO. Like I said, it goes through a lot in this movie. At least it gets a nice little nap there.
0: One of the things in this scene that's really—it's very subtle—and maybe I'm reading too much into it—is the fact that Leia accepted their relationship because she like when when they fly off, she kisses his him on the side of the head. And it's very, it's it's such a subtle thing. But like, bef- this is right after they kissed, basically, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, at this point, like, they have like, they are like kind of an official thing. It's like it's more. It's like it's not just a one time thing. Where it's like, ew. It's no, <laughs> she's But and seriously, she's accepted oh, yeah. their relationship. And yeah. I think
1: it's it's interesting. It's I mean, a subtle I, thing, but it's. I, a- I, I don't know that I would go so far as to say she's accepted that they're in a relationship because, I mean, there's so much going on and, you know, they haven't had time to, like, obviously have that talk of, like, okay, what are we doing? You know, are we official? Blah, 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 whatever. Um, but I think she's definitely sort of war- – she's warmed up to him. she's it's I mean, you're right. It does it definitely signals a change of pace from earlier in the movie exactly. when they were bickering back and forth and then even um, – when they kissed for the first time, they were, you know, sort of bantering back and forth right up to that point. And she's saying, stop it, you know, don't touch me. My hands are dirty, blah, 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 Um, up until he kisses her and she kind of just embraces it. And now you see like, OK, she's sort of embracing who he is and, uh, you know, they're not really at odds anymore.
2: It's blossoming, you could say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And as we saw, you know, that quick little added sequence of Slave One chasing the Falcon. And I think I might have said this on the episode two commentary, but I like to think Boba Fett's recalling uh, the Geonosis where Obi Wan hit on the asteroids or knew he had to hide somewhere in order to sneak on Geonosis when, uh, when they thought they blew him up in Slave One. And hmm. kind of taking that, putting it in the back of his mind and remembering that for other situations that might be similar. And thus realizing Han might be doing something that's just like that, hanging out on the Star Destroyer and just waiting to the right time to escape but yet Boba knows better
1: yeah and I have to say I think Slave 1 might have my favorite engine sound of any Star Wars ship
2: Mm, I still gotta give that to the TIE fighter
1: (laughs) I mean TIE fighters are good too but I mean maybe it's because you hear TIE fighters so often anytime I hear Slave 1 I'm like oh I love that sound of course it's probably also the many enemies who've died by my seismic charges in battlefront that adds to that too um i'm sure that has a lot to do with
2: it <laughs> yeah this is kind of yoda doing the same thing he told anakin in revenge of the sith when anakin was confessing with you know the vision he had of losing padme and you know yoda wasn't quite as harsh or just as straightforward as he was with Anakin telling him to you know learn to let go what you fear to lose but the point is still pretty much the same and now he's saying you know hard to see the future is you don't know what's really going to happen but you really know he doesn't want Luke to go obviously and finish the training and not to put you know his personal feelings first which you know still going back to that old Jedi ways of thinking even though you would like to think they are moving beyond some of the uh, ways they went about things to you know realizing that it failed they're going about it differently but yet they still cling on to some of their beliefs and philosophies that you know they still want luke to adhere by which you know um we'll probably go into it more the return of the jedi commentary but just it goes to show how that way really wasn't the right way to do it and even though luke does act on his emotions maybe more than he should it does prove in the end to be you know some that is a strength more so than you know a fault that you know they should keep away from so uh but i just found it one of those things where in revenge is a sit it's a call back to that where yoda is still going on uh going back to some of his old ways and i just love one of those other examples that puts it into the context when you look back and watch these movies now with the prequels and. Catching certain things where it's still in the character from what you saw in this one.
1: Yeah, but I will say I think maybe Yoda's learned from that a little bit because in Revenge of the Sith, he's essentially telling Anakin and again, just kind of preaching the Jedi code at him, being like, we're Jedi. We don't have attachments. If you're afraid to lose something, you just have to learn to let it go. Um But and I said this back on our Revenge of the Sith commentary, I think the the tragedy sure. of Anakin Skywalker and, you know, the death of Padme is that he caused the very thing that he was trying to prevent. And I don't know how much Yoda realized, like, that that's what Anakin was having visions about and that sort of thing. But the way he explains it to Luke, he goes into a little bit more detail. And he's not just saying, like, oh, your friends might die. You got to deal with it. We're Jedi. We have no emotions. But he's saying, you know, your friends are in danger. But look, like, we're still in the middle of our training. You're not as powerful as you think you are. And if you rush off in a hurry and act on emotion and act on instinct and you know your your first reaction is to just kind of jump into the fray and try to help your friends you may end up doing more harm than good and you may cause the very thing that you're trying to prevent which i mean i i wouldn't say is exactly the case in this movie i mean but the reason that his friends end up in trouble is because vader's using them to get to him Um, Mm. and so he is kind of the cause of that. It's not really his fault because even if he decided to stay and not go, I think the same thing would have unfolded because a Boba Fett still wants Han and B Vader is still going to use them to try to lure Luke to him, whether Luke responds or not. And, you know, if he doesn't go, they're still going to end up prisoners of the empire. Um, but, uh, I mean, actually, if you think about it, because Lando and Lobot and everybody, you know, end up springing them from the trap. I know Luke shows up at one point and kind of distracts Boba Fett and they have that little shootout in the hallway. But, you know, Boba Fett still ends up getting away with Han and Leia and Chewie and Lando get away. But it's not really because of Luke. So he, you know, by him rushing off, he doesn't really do anything to help. You know, all he does is get his hand cut off and find out that Vader's his father.
2: yeah I didn't think about it that way too much but you're probably right though but the events still had to happen the way they were because so (laughs) for the way you just said Luke finding Elveder was his father was so important that it's one of those things where like the will of the forest had to have Luke be there to get that bit of knowledge and of course you know it would set up things for Return of the Jedi that would change the course of the galaxy forever.
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, I'm not saying the story shouldn't have unfolded the way it did. I'm just saying that, you know, maybe Yoda's not exactly giving him bad advice there.
0: Yep. Yay, I love this part so much. I just love that he basically swears at 3PO. Yeah. How rude. <laughs> I, and I have to tell you, as a protocol droid fan, I love seeing a second 3PO.
2: Yeah, so that's the first time we got to see one, right? Well, wasn't there it, one kind of damaged in Hoth, though? <laughs> like,
0: Yeah, kind of. Oh, yeah. Yeah, or, no, it's not damaged, but it's like it's all white. Yeah. One, of the things, one of the things I thought was interesting when he hears the R2 and he goes, that's an R2 unit. I wonder if, I almost thought when I was a kid, what if what if he does think R2's there? What if it is like R2? For some reason, I thought R2 could
1: be there. That was so, oh, that's so a... dumb. Yeah, that's you what. Know? Well, that's what I thought. I mean, I didn't think that R2 was there, but I think 3PO thinks that that's R2 in there.
0: Yeah, that's what okay, maybe no, anyway,
1: I'm not so dumb then. <laughs> yeah, that's what I assumed that he's like, "Hey, I wonder if," and that's why he goes and wanders off. He's like, "Hey, are Luke and R2 here too?" I
2: always like that there's like a theory that I've heard before, too, where the stronger Luke gets in the force, the more visible Obi-Wan's force spirit is to him, where hmm. in A New Hope, he was just a voice. Then on Hoth, you kind of saw him a little bit, but it wasn't as clear as he is right now. And then by the time we get to Jedi, he's, you know, sitting on tree logs,
1: <laughs> <laughs> just almost physically there. That's an interesting thought. Yeah, because at the end of the (laughs) I just realized at the end of Return of the Jedi, they're kind of just chilling. They're watching the party and like Luke's the only one who can see him. And of course, nobody else is really paying attention, but you would think that somebody else would notice that there's some ghosts hanging out at the party. (laughs) Nope. So, yeah, I wonder if maybe you either do have to be force sensitive or if they can kind of choose who they appear to.
2: I think it's a bit of both. I mean, I don't think if you're not force, force sensitive, you can see him. Uh, just imagine what's going through Obi wan and Yoda's heads, right? In particular, Obi wans kind of well, not again. I'm going to lose Anakin's son now. <laughs> you know, maybe not exactly like I lost Anakin, but it's possible that he could either be killed or you know, be seduced by the dark side. Mm-hmm. And because they saw, like Yoda said, his failure at the cave, he is accessible to it. So it's not out of the question. but
1: Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing they're afraid of when Obi-Wan tells him, uh, you know, don't give in to hate, that leads to the dark side. I think because they know, even despite maybe Luke's limited training, I think just because he's Anakin's son, they know how strong his potential is in the Force, and I think they're probably less afraid of him getting killed and more afraid of losing him to the dark side, just like they lost Vader. And they're afraid that Mm -hmm. maybe he'll... That if he gives in to hate, maybe he will be strong enough to defeat Vader, but then he'll just replace Vader and they'll be right back where they started.
2: Yeah. Just so many bad scenarios. I mean, that's, again, one of the reasons that we love Revenge of the Sith. What they experience in that movie, they don't want to experience again. (laughs) Well, yeah. Obviously. And so that's why they're just so, you know, bent on not wanting Luke to go. (laughs) Another cool special edition, you know, change right there. Just showing just how much grander Cloud City on Bespin is. Yeah. There's so many great planets in this movie. <laughs> I mean, there's only three, but they're all just so unique, so different. But, yeah, it's just so
1: great. Yeah, really, just the three iconic locations that you can't imagine Star Wars being what it is without, yeah. you know, Hoff, Bespin, or Dagobah. Uh,
2: <laughs> another fun just little sequence right here is Chewie getting three. IG back. droid
0: I why is the, mm. RG, the IG droid there I don't understand
2: I think if you look yeah. closely to it's, in it's the not reflection IG-8. of 3PO's helmet I know is it IG 11 <laughs> maybe well, that I, was him but he got fixed and repaired yeah, maybe. just in time for the Mandalorian I was going to say that shot where you C- see C-3PO's C- C- head going off the, the conveyor belt if you look closely, I think you can see the reflection of his um, head. You can see like a cameraman or a light man <laughs> like, <laughs> through that reflection. If you pause it, just kind of look pretty closely. You can see one of the production crew through
1: his helmet or his head, I should say. Speaking of which, I forget later on in the movie in the lightsaber duel, did they take out that one guy with a microphone that you used to be able to see? See, I don't think I ever saw that. Yeah. Oh, OK. Well, I'll point it out if we get to it. It's, But I forget if they edited it out for the Blu-ray or not.
2: and more creatures introduced here with the Ugnaughts. <laughs> mm-hmm. And another special edition changed throughout the time on Cloud City. Just having seen the outside with the windows, it just you think it's a small little addition, but it just adds so much to Cloud City and this how robust it could be instead of just seeing the interiors of white walls all the time. But
1: yeah, it really, I mean, both the interior and exterior shots, it really does feel like it's got that futuristic city feel to it. And again, kind of like you were talking about earlier, Paul, like it feels lived in.
2: Yeah. Talk about making an appearance. I mean, Vader already had a great introduction to the movie, but <laughs> just seeing him, in cloud city at a dinner table so to speak sitting down looks like they're all gonna eat but just such great again vader that presence that he has no matter what he's doing in the movie this his dialogue there too it is so great This, you know we'd be honored if you would join us everything about that sequence is so so cool Mm -hmm. and you're just you could just describe it as vader and company at the dinner table (laughs) you wouldn't think it'd be that cool to say it like that but it is I always wish. I mean, Robot Chicken did it, but <laughs> always wondering how long they stayed at that dinner table. Because <laughs> Vader sits down. It's not like everyone goes there; they just leave. You see Vader about to sit down on his chair.
1: Yeah, yeah, you wonder if did they actually like. I I can't imagine they actually sat down and ate. That would have been the most uncomfortable meal ever. But maybe they did. <laughs> i love that uh that robot chicken sketch though where vader's actually trying to make nice with him and he's like Prin- oh, oh no i think it's lando and he's like so leia you ever had dinner rolls this good and she just looks at vader and goes yeah on alderon
2: <laughs> uh, that's probably how it would be <laughs> like the awkward silences the small talk <laughs>
1: Han and Boba flipping each other off. (laughs) 3PO could have saved him, but it was too late.
0: (laughs) Why couldn't 3PO get red eyes and become all like, you know, superhuman in this (laughs) one?
2: Because they have to save it for the final chapter of the saga.
0: Don't say that. Don't call it that.
2: Boba Fett is looking so cool. And Mm -hmm. now this isn't a special edition change, but the DVD change was getting Timmy Morrison to do the voice of Boba Fett. I know that was kind of a controversial thing because, you know, his original voice was cool enough as it is. But I mean, I love Timmy Timmy Morrison's voice as the clones. And having that consistency and that continuity – feel you know matching on the line with all the other movies i i love this change and i just love that you know we are seeing the continuation of the clones through boba fett here and having Temuera morrison's voice here so that's a cool addition even though the way he says certain uh di- cert- the way he says the b- bit of dialogue that boba fett had took a little bit to getting used to because after watching this movie for so many times originally it does, it does seem a little weird but I've gotten used to it now and I'm just so glad that with the change of having it be consistent with Boba being a clone and that's how he would sound like so definitely a glad move that I'm glad George did
1: yeah I think now that we have that backstory from the regals it just makes perfect sense and I can understand why like OT purists were maybe not happy with it just because you know it's tough when you love something and you're used to it being a certain way and then it gets changed but like now that we have uh, extra information about the story I think seeing the saga as a whole It just fits perfectly within that context. And it's kind of hard to imagine anybody else doing the voice now because Tamara Morrison has become so iconic as the voice of Django Fett and Boba Fett and all the clones. And he's still doing the voice of Boba Fett in like video games and stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm totally. They could, of course,
2: always get Dee Bradley Baker, too.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean. You know, I, I love that in Battlefront 2, they have D. Bradley Baker doing the Clone Troopers and Tamara Morrison doing Boba Fett.
2: It's the best of both worlds. And it doesn't seem <laughs>
1: weird at all that it's two different voices just because, you know, we've heard them both so many times as different characters. Lando's a great character in this movie, too, just like not knowing whether you can really trust him or not. I know we kind of skipped right over his introduction because I think we were still talking about the Dacobot cave or something like that. But, um, yeah.
2: unfortunate for Billy D. Williams, though, this is where every Star Wars fan hated Lando <laughs> for betraying yeah. so <laughs> And he, yet, Williams,
0: I never, I never blamed him. Yeah, I didn't either. his his place, he he wasn't protecting his own neck, he was protecting the
1: people. Yeah, and I mean, when Vader shows up with you know, an Imperial garrison behind him, like, there's not much you can do. Exactly. You know, what are you going to say? No, please go away, like, you're just going to get yourself force choked.
2: Yeah, but I mean, to sell out your best friend, that's still, you know, pretty hard to
1: swallow. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and certainly I don't it's not something that I would ever want to do myself or advise anybody to do, but he's certainly like stuck between a rock and a hard place.
2: Yeah. And yeah, Lando kind of shoots himself in the foot here right? <laughs> thinking that, uh, you know, they're going to the carbon freezing. He doesn't want better to use it because it might kill him. But yeah, now he's going to test it on. <laughs> mm. So That look on his face like,
1: Oh crap. What did I just do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And again, like he had to sell them out to Vader because he had no choice. But now he's trying to look out for him. Like he's making deals to protect Chewie and Leia. He's trying to make sure that Hans treated fairly. Like he's he's doing the best he can. Yeah,
2: I mean, he knows what he's did was messed up, so he's just, you know trying to make things right as little as he could. Yeah. To <laughs> talk about another great visual environment, the carbon freezing chamber mm-hmm. with the lighting, uh, just. So iconic,
1: of course. You have to wonder who built this thing in the first place and made it so spooky looking when it was meant for just you know, I don't know if they freeze cargo or something. Like, obviously, he says it's not meant for people. Um, so whatever its normal everyday use is, I would hate to be the person that has to work down there because it would be such a gloomy environment. But it works so well for the, mood of, for the mood of the scene, obviously. <laughs>
2: Uh, see, it's again, this stuff between Han and Chewie's friendship is how Chewie just goes all out and just trying to do what he can to protect them, even though there's really not much he can do. I just love that. And we could see that in almost every movie that they're in together. And, you know, with Solo, we got great moments like we talked about in that commentary, how it sets all this up and how that friendship began. And just, you know, knowing why Chewie is doing all he can to protect Han. Just
1: love it. And then, of course, the iconic line. Oh, yeah.
2: And we passed it, too, but I I did like that as Chewie is roughing up the Stormtroopers, Leia just stares at Vader, just, you know, looking at him intently like this. She senses something. Obviously, we know why, but that. Little bit of connection that we know, you know, as father or daughter that they have, but just I always love that small little visual cue Lucas or Irvin Kirshner put in there as far as you know, just Leia acknowledging Vader in that moment. And, and this that's is my such a great Vader shot, shot. Yeah, yeah, as
1: the smoke <laughs> is clearing from in front of his face.
2: It's either that one or the close up of Vader, right, right. when you know, in episode three, where the operating table lifts up and it is that shot of. That of his helmet really close up. I just love that shot Mm -hmm. as well. It's always, I always go back and forth as those two being my favorite Vader shots.
1: Oh, well, my favorite Vader shot is the shot as he's lying on the table in Revenge of the Sith and the helmet slides down onto his head and clicks into place, and you hear him take the breath for the first Mm -hmm. time.
2: That is another great one. Or uh, that car- Han Solo and Carbonite
1: original action figure was such a hard one to get. <laughs> oh, yeah. I always you wanted it. I always wanted one, too. And I never had an action figure of it. But I had a, a plastic soap dish that I always used to fill up with water and put my Han Solo action figure in it and stick it in the freezer. And it would always freak <laughs> my mom out when she would, you know, open the freezer looking for food and find a frozen Han Solo in there. That's funny.
2: So, yeah. I wasn't that creative What I did um, used the box of my dad's record player cleaner because like, the box size was small enough to look like, you know, how a carbonite would and the figure fit in there. So I would stick it in there until oh, nice. I was finally able to get one. I had a relative in New York who was able to find one for me. And I was so happy when I got that.
1: <laughs> oh, nice. I like how dip. Vader says, I'm altering the deal. Pray I don't alter it any further. And R- Lando immediately reaches up and rubs his neck as if he's, like, <laughs> afraid of what's going to happen if he steps out of line. Yeah, he does what's next.
2: I was going to say, one little nitpick I have is that everyone calls Boba Fett just the bounty hunter in this movie. <laughs> no one calls him Boba Fett. Lando calls him the bounty hunter. Vader calls him just bounty hunter. I wish he would have got a name drop because we get a Return of the Jedi. But I mean, obviously he was already named in this movie, but
1: no one ever calls them Bulbapet. That's a good point. I don't know that I ever realized that he's never mentioned by name in this movie. Of course, you can say that with a lot of stuff from Star Wars, there's a lot of aliens yeah. and background characters and stuff that we only know the name of because of toys and books and comics and stuff. And
2: he gets... Just a small little action sequence <laughs> firing his blaster.
1: I see Lando's not so bad after all
2: <laughs> yeah he has a lot to make up for itself. though except that he, he does by the end of the-
1: except that he has a, a slave that follows him around who he can literally control with his Apple watch.
2: I know Paul's mentioned this to you before, Kyle, but you gotta read that Lando comic series to get it.
1: Yes. I told you to an
2: appreciation to. for Lobot and Lando's relationship.
1: And then of course Leia's line that Admiral Akbar then stole and became famous for, and nobody gives Leia credit for. It. <laughs> hey, that is true, yeah. <laughs> she says it like
2: two times in this sequence alone. Yeah. part just says it once. Oh boy, now we're getting to the stuff that I think is just truly amazing in this movie. Yeah. I mean, just the atmosphere that's created in this sequence. I mean, before they even ignite their lightsabers, but the tension that's building. I mean, you know what's coming, and you hear Vader's voice saying the force is with you, young Skywalker. I mean, he's. And Remember, then that shot of just
0: him up at the of- top of
2: the stairs.
0: This is probably one of my favorite moments in all of Star Wars. It's it's my favorite lightsaber battle. It's not intricate. It's just such an emotional battle. Mm -hmm. It's just – it's filmed beautifully. This is – see, this is why the Skywalker saga is so important to me because of moments like this. And without, and I'm not saying we can't have emotional moments like this in Star Wars because it's, you know, it's, they're not Skywalkers, but this to me is what makes the Skywalker saga. This stuff like this, the emotional backstory that everything is, is around, that's what makes the Skywalker saga. Not Ray Rando, not someone who has no relation to the Skywalkers. It's moments like this because we know, even at the time we, we didn't, sometimes we didn't know this, but right here we know that this is a father and son. He doesn't know it yet. And the impact is going to come like that. That to me is what gives us this film so much power. And it's really, really maddening to me that people just want to be like, Oh, it's whatever. Who cares? Ray Randall, be everybody. It's like, no, like this is a Skywalker saga. And that this part right here
2: is why it's important to me. 100%. I mean, you could argue and say that that sequence epitomizes the
1: Skywalker saga
2: right there. Well,
1: yeah. I would argue that, I mean, you're saying the knowledge that we have, that it's father versus son. That's why I love the duel in Return of the Jedi when they both know that going into it. Um, and I feel like that one has higher dramatic stakes for me. But this one is such a, a great duel as well. Um And is definitely one of those great iconic moments in Star Wars. I mean, I wouldn't really compare it to the new movies. Um, I mean, I I enjoy those too, And it's, I mean, obviously you can't have, well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they could have done the story differently to where you could have something kind of on that level of like father against son or something like that. But, um, I mean, they're doing their own thing and I enjoy that too. But these are just, you know, classic moments from the original trilogy that really just kind of can't be replicated.
2: You can see this uh, again, this is why Empire is so great. We're talking about all this great family dramas taking place between Vader and Luke and the emotional stakes, but then this is the stuff with 3PO on Chewie's back. And then when he sees R2 just, their classic bickering comes right into play. This mm-hmm. this all feels so right. Like the balance of this movie between humor, drama, like we said, action is perfect. Yeah, and, and it's,
1: it's Star Wars in a nutshell. Like yeah. the sort of the action adventure of this scene of them getting away from the stormtroopers, and then the intense drama of the lightsaber duel between Luke and Vader, and then the banter between R2 and 3PO in the middle of it. It's just that perfect blend of You know, lightheartedness and seriousness and humor and action and drama and romance. And uh, yeah, that's just, that's Star Wars.
2: I love that Vader is pretty much fighting Luke just with one hand and using his lightsaber, just showing, you know, how he's pretty much not a match for him just yet. Yeah. And and as Luke says, you'll find I'm full of surprises. Vader just easily flings his lightsaber (laughs) away from his hand.
1: Impressive. Most impressive.
2: Just another iconic line. Yeah, gosh. (laughs) They're coming
1: a a, my, you know, a moment, a minute at this point.
2: And then the smoke just adds another cool effect to this lightsaber duel.
1: And as much as I do love Luke's green lightsaber, And it's probably my favorite lightsaber in Star Wars. Seeing just the red and the blue clashing against kind of the blue and the orange background here is just such a great visual. Okay, it's this scene here. As Luke walks away, I don't know if you can still see it, right over the ridge of the platform. Oh, maybe they did take it out. You used to be able to see, like, a a boom mic kind of swing by.
2: Yeah, I never noticed that. Definitely didn't notice it there, so... (laughs) Maybe it was something they fixed.
0: I never knew. I'll have to look back in like my old. Is it in the uh, DVDs?
1: I'm pretty sure it is on the DVD. Yeah. I'll have to look in there and see. I'm sure I could probably find the clip on YouTube and send it to you guys too.
2: So as we were talking about how amazing, you know, the
1: freeze Freezing
2: Chamber made for a great backdrop and setting for a lightsaber duel thinking is it my favorite you know setting for a lightsaber duel but i'm just going back and forth as i think about it between this and mustafar for revenge of the Sith because that was a pretty epic and you know fitting setting for that lightsaber duel between anakin and obi-wan just as this is for vader and luke but it's kind of hard to pick between the two for me anyway which one is my favorite not the duel but just the setting the setting of it yeah. yeah god this is so brutal and the music that plays too the yeah. variation of Darth Vader's themes. God. <laughs> this movie is pretty much perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much.
1: Yeah, and Luke goes from kind of having his triumphant moment where he gets the upper hand for a second and kicks Vader off the platform um to now just totally being manhandled and uh really being put on the ropes
2: and stormtroopers showing their usual competent selves is getting blasted and blasted without even firing off a blast <laughs> right there this is where they really start having their downfalls stormtroopers <laughs> then it just culminates in return of the jedi <laughs> yeah
1: I mean, R2 should have known that that socket didn't look like that, you know, the one magic socket that's on everything that's just the right shape that he needs to plug into.
2: Maybe they're just desperate right there. I'd try anything. <laughs> so
1: look at this Star Trooper, just
2: <laughs> oh, Pathetic. We can't get much of a bigger target than
1: Chewie, and still, <laughs> that's <laughs> <Even> true. Just... <laughs> But look at him, he's he's making good use of cover. Right here he
2: is, but the one before, whether they were just making their way through that hallway, he had a clear shot. Missed,
0: <laughs> I also think, this is going to be really weird, I also think Leia looks awesome firing a Stormtrooper blaster, and I kind of wish she always used one.
1: Hmm. <laughs> she certainly so- uses it a whole lot better than they do. I love Wait.
0: R2. This, here, eat smoke, Stormtroopers. You can't
1: hit me now. <laughs>
2: That's right. That would be ironic if they actually did hit him. Was He was even more harder to
1: see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 3PO's commentary throughout this whole scene is just great.
2: It's like R2 just knows exactly what to do. He's been to this a million times with 3PO, so oh, go this straight is form and this put is, it back together.
1: This is still such a drag. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> See, that should be inserted in, <laughs> in the dialogue.
1: Yeah, or have 3PO be like, I feel like I've been here before.
2: Again, more great stuff here. This One of those jump moments, if you don't know what's coming, where beta just Comes out of the darkness and this attacks Luke. Yeah. I love seeing it with people like a few times. Oh my God, VHS for people who haven't, like cousins or friends of mine who haven't really seen it much and they always jump. <laughs> that part where Vader comes out is great.
1: Yeah. It still occasionally like makes me jump a little bit. Like if I happen to kind of not be paying attention during that part or thinking about something else, then I'm like, oh crap, there's Vader again.
2: This is from a dual standpoint. This is my favorite part cuz both of them get some cool stuff. I love how Luke just flickers Vader's lightsaber away here, goes and gets one good hit on him and then mm-hmm. Vader's like, "Okay, that's it. You're not getting me anymore." <laughs> and just takes out his hand. Yep. Uh, this moment right here. I mean, it's probably an easy one to say, but hey, I can't help it. It's the one that's stood out to me the most and I just love it so much. But this is my favorite scene in all of Star Wars. Just for, it changes the saga forever. I mean, it's known for the twist, but this is where I think Star Wars just became so much more than what everyone originally thought from A New Hope and then so far in this movie. Just the bomb that Vader drops on Luke and just what it represents and means for Luke as a hero and the character we've seen the cross of two movies you know obi-wan lying to luke it just adds so much to the saga and as you were talking about earlier paul it just creates the skywalker saga It is what makes it so special and so grand and just great storytelling right here and the performances from both james old jones that's the way he says no i am your father i mean i mean the reason it's my favorite is because i've seen this movie countless times and I still get goosebumps when Vader says, "No, I am your father." And that's how powerful it is. Every time I hear it, it never ceases to fail. I mean, I'm not hearing it right now. I just know it's coming. I still get that feeling. <laughs> it's just so great. And that's why this scene always is, will always be my favorite for how it's performed, what it represents for the whole Star Wars franchise as a whole. It's so amazing. It just takes it to a whole new level. And just it was never the same after this. And it just. And it's for the better too. So, and it, it might be a lot of people's favorites, and the it could be the easy one to choose. But I'd be lying if I say I preferred anything else over this one as being my favorite. And that shot right there, as Luke falls and Vader just drops down in his face, you could just see the sadness in it, where he thought he had Luke, he was gonna, you know, come with him. They're gonna rule the galaxy as father and son, and then he just so you could see that letdown, and I just love that. ah, oh. mm-hmm. <laughs> so so amazing.
1: Yeah, it's I mean again, it's one of the most iconic movie scenes ever. Um, also one of the most misquoted lines ever, because everybody always says, yeah. <laughs> Luke, I am your father. Um and I'm assuming that's his hand that just fell right there, because what else would that be? That's what I always I've try. always wondered that. Like, what is that thing that we just saw fall down there? But um I think they said it's not, but I thought for the longest time that's what it was. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, what else is it? We don't get a good enough look at it to see if that's like – I mean, clearly if it's not his hand, it's not supposed to be anything significant because we don't really get to see what it is. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know that scene is a favorite for a lot of people, and it's definitely for me. Like, I know it's one of the most important scenes in Star Wars, and it's one of the coolest and most dramatic. It's just not my number one favorite Just because like for me, it's one of those moments where I wish I could remember my reaction to seeing it for the first time because just because it's one of those ones that plays like a Mm -hmm. shocking twist. Like I feel like it just doesn't have as much of an impact for me now that I've seen it so many times and I'm like not surprised by it. Um, But certainly just, you know, like you said, one of those moments that just has a powerful impact every time and uh, you know totally makes sense why it still resonates with people and why it still is uh one of the most powerful and one of the most famous movie lines ever
2: i will say i guess that is one my one regret about the sequence like you i don't have that memory of seeing it for the first time and being shocked that vader was luke's father i never got to have that surprise like so many others have because it's one of those things where i always knew vader was luke's father and right here this is one of my least favorite changes in the special editions where vader you know just kind of casually and you know almost in a military authoritative way like which he is but the way he just goes alert my star destroyer to prepare for my arrival it's like the way he said in the original one where he goes bring my shuttle you could just sense the frustration and anger he has of what yeah. just transpired between him and luke and the way he says it here is he just doesn't have that effect it's like just another day as one of the leaders of the empire issuing orders to the troops. And it might be a small thing, but it still bugs me. I always loved how he James Will Jones delivered that original line
1: of just saying, bring my shuttle. Yeah, I'll have to go back and lo- and listen to that again because I don't remember that one too much.
0: Lendo this hook. I always thought he had like a hook hand right
1: there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but Tim, when you were talking about initial reactions to, uh, to the Vader scene, one thing that I do remember thinking as a kid, and I don't remember if this was like my initial reaction, watching it for the first time. I mean, it probably was like, again, I don't remember watching the movie for the first time, but I just remember having this thought as a kid that at first I didn't believe Vader when he said he was Luke's father. Because I remember thinking, at least for a while when I was a kid, that he was, like, lying just because, um, I don't know, I had already seen enough movies or cartoons or whatever that, like, I knew Vader was the bad guy. And then when he said something that shocking, I just probably assumed, like, oh, he's lying because that's what bad guys do. And, like, that doesn't make sense. How would he be Luke's dad? Um, And it kind of took me a while to kind of fully grasp that concept that, oh, that actually really is his father. This is a new scene, right? This, yeah. Are, yeah.
0: This this is brand. This is obviously is Return of the Jedi. He just re- yeah. Yeah. That is
1: because that's uh, the what's his face, Jerjerrod. Uh, yeah.
2: Which is fine. Not the best continuity aspect, <laughs> right there. But, yeah. But one thing I wanted to bring up too, as we we kind of passed it already, but when Leia senses that Luke is calling for help you know, showing, you know, that she's, you know, has a connection with the force as well. And see a lot of talk about this on Twitter and online is how George Lucas is making things up as he went along and how Leia being Luke's sister wasn't originally the plan or if he just did that for Return of the Jedi. But I find that that sequence here in Empire to, you know, be the contrary to that where, you know, I don't know if it was a done deal where he had you know always intended for Leia to be Luke's brother, but I think it was an idea that was in here because why else would she have that connection with him to sense that he's calling for help and to have that connection with the forces he has?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the only other explanation would be that because Luke is reaching out to her, that maybe he can use the force to communicate with people who can't use the force. Um, That that's maybe just a a power that the Jedi have, or at least that maybe that was part of George's idea. But um, yeah, I think definitely like, again, knowing what we know now, like, It totally makes sense that there's that connection between the two of them. Um, And I don't know. I mean, I'm sure at this point, yeah, Luke doesn't know that Leia's his sister or that she's even force sensitive. And he's probably just reaching out to her out of desperation. But the fact that she hears him and is able to connect with him, I think, is not just because of his force ability, but I think because of hers as well.
3: Yeah.
2: I mean, it might sound crazy knowing how Vader's still pretty much the bad guy in this, but the way he's talking to Luke here, you can, for me anyway, still sense that you know fatherly love that he has and that goodness that Luke senses in him in *Return of the Jedi*. That's still in there. I think it comes across as he's talking to Luke right there where he just says, son, come with me.
1: I think it comes through more in that scene even than it did at the end of the fight when he's saying, you know, join me and we can rule the galaxy as father and son. It's like that was like a prepared speech. And now he's like pleading with him almost. I mean, not really pleading. He's more kind of trying to convince him, especially when he says, you know, it is your destiny. But he's like being more persuasive and less uh, just sort of overbearing about it. All the troubles they were having with the hyperdrive this entire movie. And they could have gotten away from the Empire in two seconds if they had brought R2 with them from the get-go. Yeah. Chewbacca can do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, he I'm can't because really he's been that. trying the whole movie and the hyperdrive still isn't fixed.
2: I love Piet's reaction here. Knowing, Oh, crap, I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, The but, Messiah but of Relief. There's another small little detail I just love that Vader is just You know, he doesn't even care right now about killing (laughs) Piet for family. Just all he's concerned about is Luke and, you know, probably more upset maybe with himself for not doing what he wanted to do with getting Luke to join him, that he just doesn't care about anyone else (laughs) and what's going on amongst the Empire right there. just Mm -hmm. another nice little touch. I think this really sells what Vader is going through at that moment right there, letting Luke know that he is his father. Man, the movie's over already. I know. Yeah, this went by quick. And the infamous wardrobe theft by Lando,
1: (laughs) which he he needed new clothes. Yeah, he he needed to change out of something. And you know what? That's Han's outfit from, uh, from A New Hope. Like he didn't wear that shirt and vest this entire movie. So it was probably just some spare clothes he had lying around. Lando's not intentionally trying to steal his look. He's just needed something to change into. I mean, I guess you could make the argument that maybe he could have just worn the shirt and didn't need to put the vest on over it. But Mm -hmm. whatever. It's never bothered me. Probably went looking
2: for his uh, cape compartment that he had in the Falcon. (laughs) Oh, yeah nothing there and he had to take what probably Han replaced it with well, his clothes. Yeah,
1: I'm sure he probably took all his capes off the Falcon before he gave it over to Han.
2: <laughs> and the music that ends this movie, again, so different than New Hope but yet so perfect for yeah. this movie.
1: Yeah, this might be my favorite ending, like uh you know, sort of end title, uh, soundtrack.
2: And we passed a little bit, but that was the only time we heard Luke say, may the force be with you to Chewie and Lando and Marco, Go- Mark Hamill hmm. always says, you know, what's ironic. Luke never says the line in any of the movies, but he says it
1: right here. <laughs> yeah. That is interesting though. That that's the only time he says it.
2: And that's it for the greatest movie ever,
1: (laughs) man. I love it. Yeah, and you know, I love how even though, just going back to the music right there, I love how just that that swelling uh, musical piece really kind of makes it feel like the movie is ending on a hopeful note, even though the heroes just got their butt kicked. Luke got his whole world rocked, and like they barely escaped from the Empire, and now they're regrouping with the rebels. But it's still. It's like, OK, we're safe for the moment. Luke's got a new hand, but it's still kind of a downer ending. And I think that the music is really what makes it uplifting and kind of uh, gives you hope for what's coming next.
2: Yeah, but man, can't imagine having to wait three years
1: during <laughs>
2: Oh man, the original release for this movie. We were so spoiled now, Star Wars movie every year and then only two year gap for the, uh, the sequels. But having to wait three years and not having much to go on as far as especially you know with no internet back then as far as keeping up with any rumors or like specul or goes you know, speculation, but rumors or leaks or anything like that that might hold you off and you know whet your appetite for what's to come. There was yeah, no, none set, of that.
1: <laughs> no set photos. You had to yeah. go to the movies to see another movie to see the trailer. You couldn't watch it on YouTube at, you know, seven o'clock exactly when it dropped.
2: Like I said, that was the big question. It was Vader lying. I mean, you had to sit on that for three years, <laughs> just probably debating amongst friends and giving the reasons why he is or isn't lying. I mean, it was probably
1: fun discussions in those three years, but still had to feel like forever. Yeah. And it's funny because, I mean, obviously it's hard to kind of put yourself back in those shoes when we know the scope of the whole saga, like we do now. And we know without a shred of a doubt that Vader is uh, Luke's father, but Even just the the scene at the end, like when he's communicating with him through the force as they're on the Falcon or as Luke's on the Falcon and, you know, Vader's on the Star Destroyer and he's saying, you know, son, come with me. Like, I think if I saw that now, that would kind of be my my proof or my argument that he actually is his father. Because after the duel, when he's standing there and just saying, you know, come with me and we'll rule the galaxy as father and son, I'd be like, okay, yeah, maybe this is just a recruitment pitch. He wants Lucas as his apprentice or he, you know, the emperor wants Luke or whatever. He's just doing his bad guy thing and trying to con- convert him to the dark side. But then when he's like, son, come with me, it is your destiny. Like that's, he he gets, that's like your dad getting down on a knee and being like, son, look me in the eye, you know, so mm-hmm. um that would kind of be the, the proof for me.
0: You know, I, I had to step away when, when the, the reveal happened. I apologize. But one of the things about that whole reveal is I, I never I never knew a time that he wasn't Luke's uh, dad. You know, like, that's the thing. I And even though I, I remember seeing it for the first time, I kind of already knew. I think my mom had already told me or something like that. Even as a young boy, I wasn't like surprised or it wasn't like um like it's always I've always known that. So when I hear that, I always took it as like he's being like 100% authentic. You know what I mean? Like I feel like he he feels like this is my flesh and blood or this is my my son I have to I have to use him to like my advantage and to be honest, I, I think that Lucas really has has made it even more. Uh, in in the, in the canon material besides Lucas has done a really good job of really expanding on that relationship of what, you know, is driving him to be closer to Luke. It's not just yeah. like he's my son. It's the fact that it's his connection to Padme, right? Like that's mm-hmm. is, is an extension of itself. And he's like, I have to be. This is my only connection. I wanted to rule the galaxy with her. Now I have him we're going to rule the galaxy together. And now, and now he knows that they're just as powerful. They're powerful together. It's, it's really is genius. And I, and I, I always, every time I, I hear that, I never think of him. Like I never think of Darth Vader thinking that he's going to have to kill Luke. And I think, with, and that's what makes a when Luke lets go even more powerful because Luke's like, nah, dude, peace and kills himself. Vader's just like crap. You know, I, but yeah, at the, at the same time, I think, he knows he's going to survive. Like, I think Vader knows he's tenacious like like Anakin is or he was. So it's just it's a really it's really interesting dynamic of everything.
2: Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's amazing. And you know how much we talk about the comics and stuff here for the good ones anyway. But those early Star Wars and Darth Vader comics, the one where they kind of intertwine with Luke or Vader finds out that Luke actually is his son. That was some great stuff. and it just like you said, Paul adds to his motivations to why he wants you know Luke to join him so much in you know, connection well, that was a great point he said about. that's his you know only link to Padme now who you know, as he said he couldn't live without her and now you know that family that he lost, it's back now, and he just has to get it, but yet, you know, it's gonna be something very difficult to do. So for anyone who hasn't read those early Star Wars comics, it was like issue five or six of the Star Wars title in the first Star Vader series. It's just really great crossover stuff. I've seen that moment where Vader finds out that Luke is indeed his son and realizes that, you know, he has children. So just great stuff all around.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's such a great movie all around, like we've been talking about. And I think, again, we'll see, you know, in in the final tally where this one ranks for all of us on our list. But I think especially for me as uh you know someone who studied film and stuff like i think and obviously like all movies are are subjective and it's art but like if there was objectively a best star wars movie it would be the empire strikes back like i think it's the the least flawed and the one that's just kind of the most consistently solid
2: yeah i mean i everyone always says there's no such thing as a perfect movie but To me, I'd say Empire is that movie, (laughs) or or at the very least, the closest it is to perfect. I mean, I said I had my one nitpick about uh, that special edition change to Vader uh, when he doesn't say bring my shuttle. But other than that, I mean, there's really nothing I can complain about it. As I mentioned before, everything about it works so well. The story, the characters, the action, the humor, the romance, Mm -hmm. everything is just so perfectly executed in this movie that – um it's just hard for me not to view it as almost perfect and like i said just what it did to the star wars saga as a whole and how it changed things and adding that family dynamic that became the crux of star wars and what makes it so special to me and i know for a lot of fans so that's why empire is probably will always be my favorite i mean revenge of the sith has come close but and who knows maybe the rise of skywalker might come close to every star wars movie that comes out i go in thinking you know what nothing can ever top the Empire Strikes Back and the only one that has come close since was Revenge of the Sith but the beauty of getting more Star Wars movies now is that some had that chance even though it's a very highly unlikely chance to surpass it but that chance is always there now it's just you know so great that this movie never ceased to amaze and just entertain me like no other film does and like I said no matter how many times I've seen it, it just enjoy it like i'm watching it for the first time almost and for every new star wars movie that we get it just seems only to add to empire's greatness to just new things you can call back on so yeah there's just so much to love about it and uh, i think it's safe to say it will always remain my favorite so there's a little spoiler for our rankings episode. You already know what my number one is going to be. <laughs> like I said, unless there's some. Well, yeah. We'll see
1: if Rise of Skywalker changes your mind. They got one chance left. Yeah. <laughs> um, But yeah, as always, this has been a ton of fun. Um, You know, it's it's been great being able to watch Empire Strikes Back again with you guys and uh, do our commentary through it. Um, and hope all you guys listening um, have enjoyed uh, listening and watching along with us. Um, but that's going to do it for now. Um, as always, check us out online at uh, Star Wars TSC on Twitter, facebook.com slash Star Wars. The saga continues. Um, you can send us email at Star Wars TSC at gmail.com or check out our website at Star Wars TSC.com. Um, we will be back soon I'm sure with uh another normal news update once we get some more Star Wars news um hasn't been a whole lot going on since D23 but uh you know I know we got Triple Force Friday coming up soon and uh you know lots of other cool stuff as we're gearing up for The Rise of Skywalker and The Mandalorian and all the other awesome Star Wars stuff we've got coming up and then of course we'll be back Uh, next month as well with Return of the Jedi as we continue on with the Star Wars movie commentaries Uh, but that's going to do it for now thank you uh, everyone for listening we will see you next time and may the force be with you. See you next time everybody. Godspeed Rebels